0: Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. This right now is December 25th, 2015. As you're hearing this, Meredith and I are taking a break from running down to the Christmas trees in our pajamas in our various time zones and ripping open our presents from Santa. And we're taking a minute here to do a quick introduction for an LRB classic episode we want to bring you today. It's LRB episode number 12, quote unquote, Tyler originally aired May 16th, 2015. And this one features Andrew Walsh. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew was a guest in the early days of Little Red Bandwagon. uh, And he came on to tell us about his uh, favorite segment from TBTL history, Why It Matters Christmas Movies, uh, with special guest Tom Tagney. This episode of TBTL originally aired December 19th, 2008. Meredith, this was a revelation for me for a few reasons. So the first, did you know that Little Red Bandwagon existed before either of us were hosts on this show?
1: No, I mean, why would I listen to that?
0: Right, exactly. You would think that it would all just be garbage before yeah. we came on. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of things about this episode that make it worth listening to. First, I get mentioned far too many times.
1: Yes, you're a big focus of this one because of the <laughs> well, because of the Twitter thing, right? Right, which I had nothing to do with. And cat rolling, which... Hmm. I had a lot to do with. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But this is a nice... Just like we've learned with After These Messages now, Andrew is a lot more fun when he's not on TBTL. Yeah, he
1: was really relaxed. He was a lot of fun on this one.
0: And had no problem kind of calling people out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, Christy really runs him through his paces. <laughs> uh, basically asking him if he hates us. Right.
1: <laughs> I think, you know, even though this is sort of a meta rerun for people like you've probably heard the tbtl episode you've probably heard the lrb if you're a good lrb listener right but my favorite part of the whole thing and it's totally worth listening to is the tbtl players oh right and there's a part because the tbtl players come and they do die hard it's my favorite christmas
0: movie my second favorite christmas movie
1: yeah and there's a part where jen just totally loses it totally loses it and she can barely even speak because she's laughing so hard yeah. It was delightful.
0: Well, I mean, with a cast of such illustrious actors and actresses. Did I say LRB Jen? Players.
1: Oh, I met one of the LRB players. How could TV you LRB not players? be
0: impressed by their performances <laughs> to the point of being moved emotionally? It's right. completely
1: understandable. Yeah, she was in tears.
0: <laughs> so uh enjoy this, the first of a handful of episodes that we've handpicked for you to get you through the holiday season. Uh Little Red Bandwagon, episode number 12, from May 16th, 2015, flashing back to December 19th, 2008. And next year, I can't wait to do an introduction, rerunning this rerun of a rerun. (laughs) Have fun, guys. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas.
2: Sorry, I just, I don't know how to end podcast without saying that.
3: Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are a twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the Too Beautiful to Live radio show slash podcast. On Mondays, we release a recap of the previous week's shows. But on Saturdays, like this one, we bring on guests to talk about their relationship with TBTL, play their favorite segment from TBTL history, and hash it over. My name is Mike Frizzell, and and to do all this, I need help. That's why our producer Jeremy is close by to steer the ship. But as always, I'm joined on the air. By the lovely Christy Wise. Hello, Christy.
4: Hello, Mike.
3: That's nice to hear your voice tonight. Um, we have a special, special guest. Probably, I would say one of the top two or three co-hosts of from TBTL's history. We have Andrew Walsh on the show.
2: Welcome, Andrew. Hey, thank you. How come you didn't describe me as lovely? You described Christy as lovely. I heard that.
3: Uh, Well, we had the cameras on to start, so um, I'm afraid I had some video evidence that you're not, in fact, lovely.
2: Oh, wow. You're handsome. I should be doing... You know, I could be doing the Grapes of Rad right now. (laughs) I know. People loved you on the Grapes of Rad. I'm so jealous. And there's
3: no way we'll ever get Genevieve on this show because she doesn't listen to (laughs) Too Beautiful to Live. (laughs) But uh, we have Andrew on tonight, and his face looks great, by the way. It's it's shorn, and it looks glorious, so don't let him tell you otherwise. We have some things that we must discuss while we have him on the show, and those are Christy's keys to the show. We're going to talk about the also the Twitter prank that was played on TBTL. Uh, we're going to talk about how TBTL stole our format, which I brought up last week. And finally, um, a little bit about uh, the the Twitter thing with Bean and Bean's wife. It came to a resolution this week, and uh, it, was a, it was a happy ending. Um, we are going to talk to Andrew about his history with TVTL. Also, we have a lightning round of questions. I put out the call on the Stens page today, and of course, they responded in a big way. And we have a lot of questions for lightning round, and he'll have 10 seconds or less to answer those questions. Um, what else we got tonight? Oh, we'll play his clip from TBTL history, Andrew's favorite clip, which is a Tom Tangney Christmas movie clip. And uh we have some housekeeping tonight. I'm gonna do a TBTL-a-thon pitch for y'all to see um, see if I can compete with Phyllis the Wolf Fletcher in her in her live read. <laughs> and of course, we'll tell you how to get involved. But before before all that, I mean this this is great. Andrew has been begging us to come on the show. I mean Every night I come home to a message, when am I going to be on LRB? When am I going to be on And Finally, I couldn't put him off anymore. I kept making excuses. Um, but he he saw Phyllis get on there, and he was real jealous. So now we have Andrew, and um, I, I have to hand over the keys to Christy because a, as we've noted on the show many times, I give Andrew a really hard time. So we want to make sure he feels good and comfortable in a safe space tonight. So I'm going to hand over the keys to Christy right now. Christy, what are the keys to the show?
4: The first key is we are going to be nice to our guests. Hmm. Always be nice when we welcome guests into All our right. home. And this, <laughs> the second key to the show is there will be absolutely no pranks, no cat rolling. This is a safe space for Andrew. Thanks,
2: guys. What
4: if he pranks us? Well, then that would be funny. Okay. Okay. We'll take that.
3: <laughs> well, I think I can abide by those... Two keys to the show. But what that puts me in mind of is the latest prank that was played on Luke and Andrew. And that was a Twitter prank where someone bought them some followers. And let me just set up where we were before the prank happened. Um, Luke was at about 9,600 followers. Andrew was at about 2,400 followers. Luke wanted to get to 10,000 followers. Uh, Andrew wanted to get past Madeline Brand, who was at about twenty. 620. Yeah, I don't. Oh, she's always more.
2: basically like, no matter how many followers I get, she's always has about 200 more than me. So I'm in a secret competition <laughs> with her. I'm really hoping that she doesn't know that I'm publicly speaking about trying to get more followers than her. That would be kind of, kind of embarrassing. I should actually send her a note.
3: But you've done it many, many yeah. times at this point. Yeah,
2: I have. I need to, you know what? I need to get in front of this thing and send her an email.
4: Before she goes and buys some followers, so yeah. So you guys talked about this. Wait, Maybe she has a secret. Maybe she has a secret thing where she always mm. buys one hundred. She's just or buying than...
2: like ten at a time. She's just like yeah. constantly checking in <laughs> with my Twitter feed. She's like, ah, damn it, Walsh, <laughs> and she's just buying ten more because she can't afford. She can't afford a hundred more. That would cost like four and a half dollars. No. So um, no, yeah, no. she's she's just uh, <laughs> buying them as she goes. So you
3: guys were talking about it on the air last wednesday i think thursday maybe and then something happened where you started to get followers and you got like a thousand and a thousand more and then you had you were like up over 14,000 at one point and then a couple of days later luke got a thousand just a thousand followers and took him up over his goal and he was pleased about it you weren't as pleased because you 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 like to know who your true followers i understand that i mean i have like 900 followers and I think like 600 of them are real and actually know who these people are. And it's a good feeling. And now you have all these Armenian followers who just... And again, nothing against understand.
2: the Armenians. I mean, they've been through a lot.
3: <laughs> or their egg
2: <laughs> avatars. They can't,
3: even, they can't even afford a real avatar over there. I right. mean, it's, it's rough Over there in Armenia.
2: By the way, one thing here, um, I'm interested to hear where this is going from your perspective. One difference that I've noticed is you said that you saw my um, Twitter count going up and up, which is not how I experienced it at all. Like, despite the joking around about it on the show, it's very rare that I actually go and look at how many followers I have. I don't know what made me do it. It was some evening. All of a sudden, it just stood out to me that I was in you know, 5 digit followers. So I in my head I went from uh whatever 2400 or whatever it was to uh wh- what 14,000 in the blink of an eye. Mhm. So well, were you watching then, this? Were you privy to mm- this? Were you watching my numbers I, go up? I was and you'll
3: you'll find out why in oh, a minute.
2: Okay. I was watching. I knew you um, must have been involved. I knew I knew as, it couldn't have been just Tyler.
3: Does Tyler even exist? Before you jump to conclusions, Walsh, as as the days passed after you and Luke were talking about trying or wanting more followers as the days passed. I had reasons to be to be watching, but not because I bought you any followers. um I think it's it's time for someone to step forward and confess to this prank. I mean, it wasn't Pape, it wasn't me, and I resent being accused. uh, we have a person right now on the line who perpetrated this prank. Please step forward.
4: It was me. Sorry, Andrew.
2: Did you make up because we got an email from a dude named Tyler saying that it was him? Did you just make up a fake email address?
4: No, it was same brain syndrome. So, I as soon as I heard that episode, the the problem is the joke wasn't on you. The joke was on Luke. I wanted you to blow Luke out of the water. Oh. But Tyler at the same time had a similar he his he was good-hearted. Right. <laughs> his was he wanted you to go over Madeline, and he wanted Luke mm, to right. hit his goal. Where mine was, I wanted Luke to feel really oh. terrible, <laughs> and just and just blew. Somehow, up. somehow, the
2: sentence then, I wanted Luke to feel very terrible sounds so sweet when it's coming from you. I don't know how you pull that <laughs> off.
4: <laughs> well, my only reason is because of how he treated you when Melissa Joan Hart right. started following you. What? Is it was he was trying to find. Every reason why a celebrity would would be following mm. you, Andrew. Oh, really? Oh,
2: I didn't. <laughs> well, that, no, I didn't take it that way at all. Like, I mean, Melissa Joan Hart started following me, but I mean, it became very clear. I mean, immediately, I knew that she's a celebrity who just follows all kinds of randos, and I'm a rando. I didn't feel like he was uh, coming. He was trying to dismiss it at all.
4: Okay. Okay. Well, it was. It was more just a. A joke because hmm. I, I could just see you guys looking at yours because, you know, Luke looks all the time. Yeah. And then to see you, you have 4,000. But I love him. the
2: fact though that he, in a certain way you were doing this to kind of burn him, but, you know, between you and Tyler or quote-unquote Tyler or whoever yeah. this, this rogue hey, Tyler, is, quote unquote Tyler. Uh, Tyler is. Stop saying
3: quote-unquote Tyler. Tyler is, Tyler's real. He may be one of the dozens, but he's Tyler very real.
4: Tyler emailed me, Tyler Tyler emailed me his receipt for the, the
2: <laughs> Uh, followers yesterday (laughs) how much did he pay how did you wait Do you know tyler how did you track down tyler wait you are in touch with tyler well
4: because no because we talked about how tyler had taken that mike thought that tyler just um took credit for our joke oh so on our show mike said that he took credit for our joke and so he mailed me the receipt and he said no I didn't just take credit. I actually purchased them.
2: Wow. How much did he pay?
4: Um, I know I paid $35 for yours.
2: Jesus. You guys, you paid 35 bucks, and then he paid probably something in that ballpark as well. This was really yeah. important to you guys.
4: Yeah. So sorry I can't contribute to the TVT. Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: we could have used that. <laughs> we could good. have used that to prove <laughs> to our boss that we, we shouldn't get fired. This is interesting. I mean, this is some real Sons of the Harpy shit going on. I don't know if you guys even watch Game of Thrones, but that's a Game of Thrones oh, yeah. reference, and it's on point.
3: Yeah, but see, the upside for you, Walsh, is you have over—I mean, if you wanted to keep them, you could have had 14,000 Twitter followers and been way more legitimate when anyone ever looked you up to book you as a guest.
2: Right. Well, I still made it on the uh, one of the uh, my favorite podcasts, so here we are. And I did it with my. Oh, Aww. I thought you were going to say Grapes of Rad again and hurt my feelings, <laughs> no. you know,
3: which we don't have keys to the show saying you can't hurt my feelings, but right. I would appreciate it if, no. you, if you didn't hurt my no. feelings.
2: No, that's a, that's a one way street.
3: So <laughs> you did something uh, hurtful to our show last week. What? You had Phyllis Fletcher on, and you stole our format, buddy. You stole the format that you're sitting
2: in right now. You know that I can't. You... I mean. With all due respect, I don't listen to this show, so oh. <laughs> I find it somewhat dubious that I stole your format. What are you talking about?
3: Uh, oh, we're gonna have we're gonna have someone on, and we're gonna talk about their their history and involvement with TBTL, and we're gonna josh around for a while. Then we're gonna let them play a favorite clip. Uh, mm. Come on. You did our format. That is a good point. Knock it I off. I basically
2: did your show. Was, do you think it was better or worse than your show, though? That's the question. Oh, way worse. Yeah. Way worse. I yeah. mean,
3: Jeremy's in charge. Jeremy makes our show a cut above we, You know TV. what? Which, There's by no the way, question in my mind. Let's
2: talk about that for a second. Why don't, you give, why don't you guys give Jeremy a mic? Like I'm insulted on his behalf. Like We got Jeremy listening in on this thing right now. He could be participating, but he's just he, somewhere he's, skulking in the background. You guys don't let him talk.
3: Jeremy's a handsome man. He's a generous lover, but he is severely mentally disabled. So we can't have him on the mic.
4: (laughs) Mike, 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 Mike.
3: That's really insert our
4: disclaimer, our new disclaimer (laughs) right there.
3: The views and opinions
5: expressed by Mike Brazil do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Little Red Bandwagon Podcast or any of its subsidiaries.
4: Um, (laughs) it's because he actually doesn't listen to the show. Right. Except for if I tell him, Oh, it's a great Mm. episode. You're going to love it. And it's mostly because him and Luke are pretty much the same person. Personality wise, Mm. they grew up similar in, um, very evangelical Christian homeschooled, um, the whole thing. So they kind of have similar backgrounds in that way. Hmm. Um, but so I, I mean, I don't know, but I'll tell him. And when he edits the show and the clips together, he's just, he just laughs out his laughs continuously. So, I don't know.
2: All right. Well, well, I think that you're keeping the Jeremy down and I don't like it.
4: <laughs> He'll come on and and we'll have we'll interview him someday.
2: Yeah,
3: poor Jeremy. He does a great job on the show and that's why it sounds better than than TBTL, especially now that Andrew is more in charge of the audio. Jeremy's product is a cut above. <laughs>
4: wait, 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 wait. Key to the show. Be nice to our guests.
3: Oh, sorry. God. Okay. Strike that, Jeremy. I know Jeremy will take that out. Um, the I had, a, I had a little thing online last weekend with uh, Bean and, and Bean's wife. And let me uh, explain this. We talked about it on the last show, but let me explain it for Andrew. Uh, Bean tweeted a picture of a raccoon that he and his wife encountered outside of his home on Vashon Island. And it was a really cute raccoon. And, you know, he just tweeted out saying this guy was outside, uh, you know. Isn't isn't life grand or whatever? And then I tweeted back at him a picture of the Hamburglar saying, "Well, I don't live in a paradise like you do. This is this is what I see when I look out the window." Which Hamburglar mind.
2: did you send? Like the new creepy one or just yeah yeah, okay. yeah the
3: new yeah the, the new creepy one? And Bean responds to that tweet and says, "Yeah, he does look rapey. He yeah, he looks rapey, huh?" And his wife didn't see my tweet because she doesn't follow me. She has she follows like four people. She has four fault, something like that. I mean, she's like either new to Twitter or just doesn't do it. So she sees beans tweet and thinks that I've called their raccoon rapey. Hmm. And, uh, she, she says, my raccoon does not look rapey. Um, so I, I can't remember if it went any further at that point. I don't think it did, but I, I, I sent Bean or on Twitter. I, I, Put up our show and said go to the 16:20 mark of this show and let me know you know what you think happened. And Bean went and listened to it and he got back to me yesterday and said um, my wife didn't see your tweet she <laughs> she thought uh, she thought you said the raccoon looked rapey and that's kind of exactly what I thought happened. And then she, being the great sport that she is, Donna Fancy Baxter at Fancy Baxter. Uh, tweeted out uh, something like and mommy drinks a little
2: (laughs) (laughs) so wait a second though why would she even be mad at you if she didn't see your tweet she would just assume that that her husband was the one calling the raccoon rapey Uh,
3: right i think we were both in a little bit of trouble over the misunderstanding
2: i see I see. Yeah, they, I guess I, I don't know Donna. I hear she's awesome, but I, but Luke was telling me on on uh, TBTL today that um, they're. I, I always knew that they were true animal lovers. I know that Bean has been very very close mm-hmm. to his his pets in the past, but I didn't realize that they had such a in, you know in their history together that they um, they've had a lot of like I, Luke was telling me today. This is I haven't found any secondary sources on this, so I didn't realize this, but they had a pet cow for a while, and they're just like really mm-hmm. really close to close to the animals. So, I guess that it just, I guess, rubbed her the wrong way. Yeah,
3: I I, I hit a nerve yeah, there but without yeah, meaning to. More to, to the I was point, you got like
2: us... one of the biggest names and kind of like uh, radio morning broadcasting in the country to listen to your podcast. I mean, that's probably really right. what this is all about, <laughs> right?
4: Yeah, you, right. you buried the lead on that
2: one.
3: Yeah, yeah, not bad, huh? To give and, you any notes? Maybe we can get him on the show. We'll finally have a famous person on the yeah. show and we can get Bean on. That him. would
2: be awesome. You guys should ask him. I don't know how much he. Yeah. He used to listen to TBTL. I don't know if he really yeah. listens uh, much anymore. I'm not sure. But that would be a great get. Holy cow. That's why I was worried about this whole thing. And I
3: was like, uh-oh, I might have to retire from my stupid picture commenting forever if that it, if it's ruined our <laughs> chance.
4: That would be great. I mean. At, at
3: having Bean on the show. But Walsh, we're not here to talk about Bean. We're here to talk about Walsh. Uh, we put up a post. I put up a post on the Stens page today asking if... People had questions for you, and I think we're about seventy comments deep in it now, and a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of female interest. Let me just say that right now. Well, right, we were ladies. saying
2: before that I'm. Yeah. What did you introduce me as? Beautiful, wonderful. I think you said. Um, no,
3: that that was yeah. Christy. I think I said unfortunate. Oh. Huh. Um, uh, you know, being nice. Second or third best co-host in mm. TBL. like that. You called me lovely. Anyway. that's what it was.
4: Lovely. <laughs> okay.
3: Yes. If you'll take that, but Christy has compiled these questions. You'll have less than yes. ten seconds to answer each one of them. Answer honestly. If you can't answer, just say I can't answer that. That's fine. Well, let's be um, a little Christy... loose
2: on the ten second thing, okay? Like I'm gonna, yes. I'm gonna be I game. Agree. I'm gonna give it my best. But you know, when you give somebody a limit like that, like it kind of, uh, it becomes even more difficult. Yeah. And a question that you could normally answer under in ten seconds or less suddenly becomes difficult because there's the a pressure. lot of pressure now.
3: Now, because mm-hmm. you've just taken up that much time, it's eight seconds.
4: Okay. <laughs> okay, are you guys ready? No, just ready? kidding. Take as much time as okay. you need. Stretch okay. out if you need to.
3: Go yeah. ahead, Kristen.
4: Okay, how did you meet Luke?
2: I met Luke um, through uh, Vanessa Romo, whom I worked with at a uh, public radio station, and they were dating at the time.
4: All right. Actually, how did you meet Well,
2: that's not the, really the first time well, I met him. That's how we became friends. Let's go with that.
4: Okay. And that was in Seattle?
2: That was in Seattle. I actually met him once before. Uh, I was a fan of TBTL, and as a public radio colleague, I emailed him and said, you don't know me, but can I come watch you do the show sometime? And that was the first time we met.
3: Nice move. Okay. Yeah.
2: It was fun. Uh, Somewhere in the TBTL archives buried. Sorry. I'm just going to keep talking, Christy. We're going to go. We're going to give (laughs) you 10 minutes per answer. I like it. Somewhere in the TBTL archives, there is like some, my actual first appearance on the show, but like I'm off mic and I'm so public radio about it, like, Lou couldn't remember some band or something, and I'm, like, whispering it to him. He's like, just talk into the microphone. <laughs> and, like, so somewhere in the archives, my very yeah. first appearance is, like, yeah. me whispering off mic. Oh, no. Yeah. I, re-
4: I remember that you g- you and Genevieve would listen when you were in New Hampshire. Is that correct?
2: I was a listener in New Hampshire. Yeah, I would listen. Um, and I know I've told this story a million times, but I worked in public radio. I knew that Luke was doing this new show. I was envious and curious, so I would listen. And so I first started listening just because, you know, like I want to know what's going on, almost out of kind of professional curiosity. Um, but then quickly, I mean just immediately – uh, was just enamored with what they were doing and jealous of what they were doing out there. And then I think I was listening for a little bit. And then I can't remember exactly how I got. Oh, Genevieve got hooked after I took She She did not listen in New Hampshire. We moved to Seattle. I took her to, to meet Luke. We were both there in the studio the, the first time we met. And that was the first time she ever heard the show, was sitting there with headphones on for the last hour of the show or something. And that's when she became a fan, yeah.
4: Okay, so uh, number two, how did you meet Genevieve?
2: Um, I met her on a trip from Ohio to visit my friend Paul in boston um uh, uh Genevieve was roommate with paul's girlfriend now wife
4: um and also about Genevieve is it's well known on this show, so you wouldn't know it but um Genevieve is my lady crush Whoa. and I was she's wanting mine too yeah to if... <laughs> perfect um I want to know if you'll be taking up skydiving anytime soon.
2: Oh, because of the, um, the death thing, the, the murder. Yeah. Um, no.
4: <laughs> okay. Okay. Now um, that under next... 10 seconds. <laughs> um, will you be moving back to Seattle?
2: No. I mean, in my life ever? No. Maybe. I love Seattle. I miss Seattle, but no, we have no plans. Just,
4: okay. Um, do you have any new ra- road rage stories?
2: Well, if I had one, do you really think I could tell it in under 10 seconds? <laughs> It was a yes, no question. To, so. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. I'm really I'm really trying to calm down.
4: Well, also, you're not commuting all that time.
2: Yeah, exactly. Every day. Somebody did cut me off and pissed me off on just this last Sunday, and I tailgated for a while, and then they tried to make me crash into <laughs> the back of them. So, yeah.
4: So, the answer is yes.
2: <laughs> the answer is yes. That was, that was a lot of space in that here. guy's rearview mirror. Oh, gosh. um, Do you scoot about L.A.? No. I'm so mad. The scooter's in the – um. The, we need the scooter. We need the scooter because there's going to be an earthquake, and it's going to be horrible, and I'm going to need that scooter to get yes. around. But unfortunately, the licensing laws are much different here in California slash Los Angeles, so uh-huh. we need to get a special license, and um, and we need new- to renew the plates on that thing. It's it's a bit of a mischigas.
4: Because it would be – like when it's nice outside, that'd be Ugh, perfect to drive. That. I know.
2: I scooted around when I first got here because the plates were still like good from mm-hmm. Washington. Loved it. Loved scooting around to various pastrami places and stuff like that. I'm not even joking. Um, and <laughs> then uh, and then and then yeah, I, I, it got to the point where I was like, well, the plates are so out of date now, and I'm basically you need a special <laughs> motorcycle's license to drive that stupid little scooter here in oh. in L.A. So we have to take classes, get a license, and I realize if I get pulled over now with like plates That's that are like find. a year out yeah and i'm basically driving without a license and probably intoxicated it's not going to go well <laughs>
4: <Right>. <laughs> um have you heard from golf man lately
2: no I heard a fake golf man email that your buddy uh robert pape uh say, are we we last names right yeah he sent us a uh yeah. a golf man parody the other day that i hope to get into the show soon but um no, I haven't heard from him in a while. Somebody was god, I don't know if it was one of you guys or on TBTL, everything's blurring, but I guess somebody uh, recently said that they 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 heard somebody reading a golfman letter on on a Cairo show recently. So he's still out there. Oh, oh yeah.
3: He's still there. Yeah, I I don't have any doubt that that's still his haunt because oh, yeah. people don't change mm-hmm. their they don't go follow hate follow someone over onto a podcast. They usually just
2: right. hate where they hate. I know. I know such good content, though.
3: Yeah.
4: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, Have you fantasized about getting revenge on Bobby Pape?
2: For what? For the cat rolling stuff? Yes. No. Follow-up question. Okay.
3: Yeah. Do you believe Bobby Pape is real? I do.
2: (laughs) That I do. That I do. (laughs) His middle name is Tyler, though. That's what I, I do know about that. No, I don't um no I I, I don't w I mean I mean the, the cat rolling stuff is funny, but it's not real I guess, you know, I'm not much of a um not much of a prankster at heart, so I don't kinda have that kind of oh you got me now I'm gonna mm-hmm. get you back kind of thing. It's kinda like, oh yeah, it's funny when it happens. I don't think about it much beyond that. Sorry.
4: No, that's okay. Um why do you maintain such a clean and proper demure on TBTL versus how you were on Grapes of Rad?
2: I don't. Is that true? I don't know. Did, did yeah, everyone you?
4: everyone said that you kind of talked, that you were, got into sexy time talk. What? Mm. We did not a get into sexy innu- time talk. A, a lot of <laughs> innuendos. I'm just saying oh, what the fans said.
2: Ma- maybe. Would, uh, maybe. I don't. I, uh, I don't. That's kind of a revelation to me. I, I didn't realize that i do that, but it is true that, um, it is true that, you know, I don't I don't consider TBTL to be, as personal as it is, and, and we talk about all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff, I don't consider it to be let anything fly. And I'm definitely a more reserved yeah. person than Luke anyway. And, you know, I What's know that I job? sound like a Boy Scout, but, like, I, it's public radio now. And, like, there are people, right. not just our mm-hmm. boss listening, but our boss's boss listening, and... As much fun as we have and as much as doing TBTL full-time is my dream job, it's still, you know, a job, and I I still take it seriously. I think in that way it's probably good that—I mean, not that Luke doesn't take it seriously, but Luke is a little bit more, Mm -hmm. obviously. um, He's less risk-averse, and he's willing to let stuff fly a lot more than I am. And, you know, I guess I just want to kind of try to draw a certain line. I don't—also— I don't want TBT, it's already two bros browing it up, right? And there are a million right. podcasts of two bros bro it up, and 99% of them are pretty blue and pretty, like, you know, elbow each other in the ribs and be like, hey, 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 wasn't that a boner joke? And it's kind of like, there's enough <laughs> of that out there. It's not what we do well, and it's certainly not what I want to be known for.
3: Uh, the sexiness talk that was on the Stens page was all about your grapes appearance, not about your TBTL demeanor. So, if you ever find yourself in the market again maybe uh push one of those guys off grapes and jump on there because yeah. that's that's where that's where you're attracting the the flies over there <laughs> oh. they
2: like oh, you oh gosh okay well that's 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 duly noted I, I i don't think i'll be um looking for a new partner anytime soon and mm-hmm. if that did happen i i i really hope that i at least have the self-respect not to use a podcast to try to get laid right
3: mm. You, you don't know how many guys do it. I mean, there's guys that that, yes. that meet their meet their you wives no on a idea. podcast. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's idiots.
2: So <laughs> Somebody give Jeremy a a microphone.
4: <laughs> it's nope. your job versus hanging out with your friends.
2: Yeah, TBTL. Like, yeah, yeah, and and, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and again, like, yeah. and, and we do th- even. I mean, hopefully, it does sound like it's not it's not overly thought out, but the show. Is pretty thought out every day We don't mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we don't just go into a blind We know what we're going to talk about for the most part There are tangents that are great And we build in on plenty of room for that Today I started talking about Pet pigs for a long time that was definitely not Something that we planned on talking about so It is there obviously there's a lot of conversation That it's not scripted it's not planned out But it's also not just kind of like I don't know I'm just not into Just kind of I guess just kind of bl- let's bro Down and be blue
4: mm-hmm great, okay. okay. next question. do you listen to hip hop anymore
2: oh yeah of course
4: okay in any new hip hop or just your old the old stuff that
2: you yeah, liked? I was pretty obsessed with the um the new Kendrick Lamar record, which is now like a month and a half old or something, but yeah, that's been pretty much the if i'm if I'm just uh putting something on that isn't the radio that's that's what I'm popping on these days still okay
4: um what would you you know the noise that they call the marsupial gurgle? Yeah. What would you have named it?
2: Oh, I I uh, I probably would have probably would have just buried that shit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, that 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 is an interesting point, Andrew. W- did you realize you made such a sound and once you found out that you made such a sound, did you wish that people would just stop talking about it?
2: No, I, I, I did not know that I made that sound. Since then, people have identified little mini sounds like that. Mm-hmm. Are you guys going to... I guess, Jeremy, is Jeremy listening now, or will Jeremy just listen later? I'm obsessed no, with this No, he'll listen Jeremy later, situation. and he'll drop it in. <laughs> okay, so he'll put it yeah. in, so people will know what the hell we're talking about?
3: Oh, yeah, we've talked about yes. it before.
2: Okay. Um, so that sound... After I made it, I was just kind of lost in thought, struggling for words. It doesn't happen often, you guys probably notice, but every now and then I have trouble coming up with words.
3: No. Yeah, yes, no, every not. it happens. No. You have
2: to listen really closely, Mike, and you'll catch it once or twice. Mm, okay. Um Just trust me on that one. Um <laughs> But I was, you know, struggling for a word, and then I, I was it Luke or a listener who wrote in to so be like, "What the hell was that noise that you made?" And we went back, and I've I've played it. I played it for some of my um, uh, coworkers over at the uh, at the old public radio station, like isolated, Colleagues. like that. You Colleagues. mean
3: the, the word you're searching for is colleague? <laughs> yeah,
2: you're such a dick. You really like that? That is like, that, I don't give a crap about cat rolling, but you've made me scared of the word colleague, which that's that's the worst. <laughs> that's an important word. I have a lot of colleagues. I've had a lot of jobs in my life. Um, But uh, yeah, no, listening to it in isolation, it it is really hard to believe that that is a a human noise. Um, And then, you know, whoever pointed it out, I listened to it, I thought it was funny, but then, you know... It really now people
4: have as their ringtones.
2: Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) I mean, when Luke did this super mix of that, and he was he took it and he mixed it into a whole bunch of different songs, and like a few days (laughs) later, surprised me with like a full segment of how he remixed Mm -hmm. that sound. Like that was that was one of my favorite moments. I mean, obviously it was number one, kind of flattering. Like hey, you know, I, I don't know. Whenever anybody's focusing that much attention on you, how can it not be kind of like hey, look. I'm on a podcast and they're talking about me. Um, But then aside from that, you know, it it was just absolutely funny. It seems like a lot of your questions are kind of like, does this bother you? Like whether it's the cat rolling or the gurgling (laughs) or the this. It's like Mm -hmm. I can't really think of anything that really that really kind of bothers me in relation to what goes on in the show. Not to be callous Mm -hmm. about it, but it's all as long as it's making for interesting podcasting, I'm fine with it.
4: Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, there's a couple just a couple more, and these aren't about you, okay, good um, uh, is Leslie on the right career path, and will she ever find true love?
2: What does she do for hmm. a living?
4: No idea that no, there is no know. other information given
2: Wow, it's hard to say it's hard to say about the career path thing. I mean she'll probably find true love I mean whether okay. or not the person loves her back, that's always the question right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer when that happens, yeah.
4: And then, um, we love your face. It's not a statement, it's just a, I mean, it's not a, it's not a question, it's just a statement, just to let you know, we love your face.
2: That's specifically about Is me. that the royal we?
4: Yeah, it's the royal we. We. Okay. As tens, love your face.
2: But th- that's not coming from you. You're not flirting. No, 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 no. Okay.
4: I mean, if you were Genevieve, that's one thing, but. That's right. No.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, instead we're in a blood duel over Genevieve's affection. <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: so oh what God. What we now that we, you've answered all the questions you did you did a nice job Andrew we need Thanks. to know thank you um, just give us give us the bullet points what's your history with TBTL um, how did you how did you get involved you touched on a few of the things but like I actually what I'm most interested in is yeah you got
2: to narrow it down because you know this origin story Mike it is long and I don't know yeah. how to end sentences
3: I will focus. Okay. I'll focus in on one particular time, and that's when you got over the hump. And that's when you went in, you listened to the show, you, you watched Luke doing the show, and Genevieve was there. And then there was – tell me about the period of time between that and when you actually sat down in the big boy chair.
2: The big boy chair being, uh, being a uh, – like Co-host. the first time I was kind of a guest – well, I know the first okay, time so, you co-host, you know, I had moved to Seattle. Genevieve and I were very new in Seattle. Like I'm going to say first month of being in Seattle. My whole thing was I didn't really I'm a horrible networker, as you would imagine. I don't like just kind of going out and shaking hands and trying to make those connections. But I obviously I admired TBTL from afar for a long time. My first order of business being a basically unemployed guy. Uh, Moving to Seattle was, well, at least let me send an email to this dude whose show I love. We have this public radio thing in common. So that's how we ended up there. Um, But then after Genevieve and I watched that show, she became hooked on the show, but we didn't really cross paths again for at, at least a year. Um, and then, like I said, I was working with, um, Luke's ex-girlfriend, Vanessa, uh, at, uh, KUOW, the public radio station in town there. And then we just became friends and started hanging out with, with her and him uh, all the time. And then Luke, um, and I was working part time at the public radio station, but needed something more permanent. And so I said to Luke, like, you're working at the station Cairo, um, it was his second stint at Cairo at that time. I was like, I'd be interested in like whatever as part time work there on the news desk or whatever. And he was like he was delighted to hear that a public radio person might be interested in, in a commercial radio job. And um, and so he put in a good word. I started working there part time. And then I think, you know, our friendship just kind of evolved from there for a while. Um, and then what happened so, was wait, Andrew, I, you were working oh, yeah. as a
3: producer for Andrew. Oh, i 'm sorry, producer for Luke no at, now, at Cairo. first, I
2: was just like working on the um just working on the news desk like i i just okay. i really started on the the like i started working on like some uh, overnight fill-in work Cairo is mm-hmm. a 24-hour newsroom Which isn't something I know they say that in their promos It sounds so cheesy when I say it but You know public radio is you, you show up You work on your feature and you go home at the end of the day It's not a breaking news kind of operation and, no. and people don't expect the local newsrooms To be operating 24 hours But Cairo took that seriously So there's always somebody there at the news desk Somebody listening to literally The police scanners ch- You know just making sure that if Any news breaks somebody is there to kind of report on it or, or or prep the the host or whatever so I was just working a bunch of kind of b s middle of the night shifts or I think my uh earliest work there was over a Christmas break or something like that and then and then eventually um the producer for the the Ross and Burbank show that that was Luke's show with Dave Ross left uh, my friend libby. Left to take a job in D.C., and so I applied for the job and um, and was uh, just kind of eventually eventually got that job, and then I became Luke's producer on Ross and Burbank, and we worked together uh, pretty closely for a while, and then what happened was – this is still when Jen Andrews was the, um, the co-host on the show – somehow, and I don't remember how – uh, no, I'm, I'm actually sorry. I'm trying to think here. I guess the first time I was on was when they found out I was a telemarketer. I had yeah, been a telemarketer, telemarketer in and my past.
4: The telemarketer time, and also your runaway note. Yeah, I remember those.
2: Yeah, exactly. I was thinking that this the runaway note was know. first, but it wasn't. Like somehow it came up with us as a telemarketer. So they had me on just to talk about my telemarketing experience. I was nervous as just all get out. I remember standing mm-hmm. in this uh, little janky studio where they were doing the show at that time and just pouring sweat talking about um, telemarketing. And then, yeah, Christy, you might remember better than I do. Something happened. Somehow I showed them. My runaway note. My mom was going through some old stuff, found the note that I wrote when I ran away from home in fourth grade for about four (laughs) hours, five hours. And it was. Everyone was hollering at you. Yeah, I said, I don't like people hollering at me. So I'm running away. (laughs) And so, and it was, you know, sad and cute and and devastating and all that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so Jen fell in love with it. So I guess, I guess maybe they had me on the show to talk about
4: that. Yeah, they first posted it. And I think Mm -hmm. there was so much chatter on the site that they had you on to explain. Oh,
2: the story. Yeah. I remember seeing that note. That was hilarious. I love that note. It was so cute. I remember seeing the note on there. Um, on, I remember very vividly them posting it and Jen writing some like writing one sentence about it. I don't have a recollect. I know that I came on the show to talk about it, but I don't remember that experience at all. I remember the telemarketing one very vividly. Um, and I remember some magazine some major magazine also contacted me after that. And they're like, we're putting together. It was almost like a Pinterest board sort of, but for their actual mm. magazine of um, notes that kids write. And they wanted to use that. And I was like, sweet. Yeah. How much are you willing to pay? And they were like, uh, nothing. And I was like, OK, then you can not mm. use my uh, intellectual property. E, <laughs> New
4: Yorker. Yeah. Stay away from my life. Um, I also remember the first time I met you as like because I knew these two times you were on, but your face to the name was at the thousandth show. You ran the commercial time trivia.
2: No, do you remember this? No, I didn't. I didn't run know. any trivia. I was uh, kind of backstage wrangling things. Right? No, uh, Jen had a trivia game. This is at the Neptune in the the University District yeah. of Seattle. Yes, because.
4: Yes because you um you said the wrong answer to it and I knew the right one and someone else got a t-shirt and I knew the right one and then you when we came back you said um oh I was wrong on this last one and then you said my Twitter name got it right You don't remember this at all?
2: I have literally no recollection of this at all. Like, I was very nervous that night. I remember... What I can remember about the night is um, not being able to get Ira Glass on the phone. Ira Ira was supposed to be a guest, (laughs) and I had his phone number, and that was like... My one job as they say on the internet oh, no. now. You had one job and I'm just like fucking calling Ira Glass's cell phone like every two years. Did you minutes. consider
3: calling I'm... Fred Armisen?
2: <laughs> no, I couldn't find I couldn't find his number and he had he had recently he just changed it. his cell phones. Um but uh yeah, so I remember that but Yeah, sorry, Christy. I would love to talk to you more about yeah. this. I'm sure it doesn't really add to you guys edit all this anyway, so maybe we can go down this rabbit yeah. hole. So I I certainly did not create a quiz for that one thousand show no
4: i think that so we were still it was a commercial i it was still on the radio either they still were or they put it on the radio They put it on night. the
2: radio yeah it had already been canceled okay. long long ago but um the boss okay. had yeah decided that we we're going to make this yeah radio that was broadcast. a weird that was a weird so thing
3: i remember that now
2: i forgot about that yeah
4: so we still had to live through the different commercials at the at the break mm-hmm. time and then also I think the the technical difficulties or whatever with the Aaron old cannery furniture wrangled. warehouse the old yeah. cannery <laughs> <laughs> and then the drunk tens that Luke decided to call randomly that were having little parties oh, and nice. I think Jen had come up with trivia and you maybe you were just giving out the prizes. Oh, okay. I think, I do remember
2: that. I remember having a a portable microphone and standing at the mm-hmm. end of the stage. In front of the stage. Yeah, and kind yep. of wrangling people, but I didn't know that yep. I was in any position to judge whether or not somebody's answers were right or wrong. That yeah. I guess that's what I'm confused well, clearly about. clearly you hurt Christy. So I'm really sorry. So yeah, what do I, I owe I'm, you, Christy? I owe you a TBTLT. Do you know that I don't have a TBTLT t-shirt by the way?
4: Oh, really? Well, good thing you'll get one at the Mariners game. <laughs> I'm
2: hoping. I need to get one. I'm not even joking. I need to make sure that I get one so I can send it to my dad. My dad's mad at me because I've worked for various radio stations. He's got no swag at all. I don't mm. have one TB tail related thing in this house, I don't think. Um, I, I'll get you a Frisbee. I need a Frisbee for my dad. <laughs> That's how the Frisbee oh. became part of the lore. I think I was telling Luke how my dad yep. uh, right. loves Frisbee so much. Frisbee so anyway, well, Christy, yeah. I just want you to know that you're in good company. Yeah.
4: So I'll tell you the question because it sticks in my mind. It's one of those
2: things. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Let's just exercise these demons. I love this.
3: This whole thing. Andrew, this whole thing. Little Red Bandwagon has just been an excuse (laughs) all these weeks. It's
4: all built up to this. No, but Mike, maybe you can answer. Either one of you.
3: Oh, God.
0: Um,
4: On the last episode that was on the radio, everybody drunkenly sang a song together, a karaoke song. What was that song?
3: It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday.
4: No. No, that was Grizzli. Damn it.
2: I don't know. I don't think I heard that show. You were there. I've heard of it. The no, I wasn't you there. You weren't there? Good lord, oh. no, no, no. I never knew um no, by the time I actually was like kind of on the show talk about telemarketing and all that stuff, I there was a podcast by that point.
3: Yeah.
4: Okay, so everyone everyone else and their mother were there. It was. I, I was.
3: I was there that night, but I I had left and I was driving to Portland yeah. and listened to the end, but I can't remember the song. Mm.
4: It was "Don't Stop Believing," but Andrew gave the shirt out to the wrong answer, which is "That's What Friends Are For."
2: Oh. Hmm. Well, I, I, I apologize. I, know I don't know, trivia. but it must have been Jen's fault, though, because Jen, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been scoring. You the didn't know answers, yeah. I was probably, I was yeah. just a, like a person handing out the microphone and then the t-shirts, right?
3: <laughs> Be, but because Christy loved Jen so much, she projected all of her hate over all mm. these years onto your
2: bearded face. <laughs> yeah, which is no longer bearded.
3: Yeah, right onto your True. now newly shaved face. Mm-hmm.
4: Now everyone is asking for a picture. Are you going to release that? <laughs> Am I going I took to a release? That? We got it. <laughs> I like we got
2: it. I like the way it. you phrased that. You've been really, Done. you've been working on your, um, on your, uh, your journalism skills. When will you <laughs> release the photo, Mister Walsh?
4: Yeah. When will the photo right. drop?
2: Not <laughs> will you release the photo? What's the time? Can we get the, the re- exclusive? Right. Can
4: we get the exclusive on this? No. What do you?
2: I. No, I do you. This is the first again that I'm hearing that anybody. I did not hear any requests for this, so I think you might be exaggerating a little bit. But mm-hmm. I, I'm not oh, no. hiding it. But. I also am not the type of person to take a photo and just be like, this is what I look like now.
4: Right.
3: <laughs> right? Af- after yeah. what you did to Christy back on the Thousandth Show, I think you at least <laughs> owe it to her.
2: Okay. Watch out, Christy. I'm just going to like showed- flood your phone with selfies all night. Oh. Okay. It's going to get okay. real weird. Everyone knows Section how much I love times. selfies, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: Oh my gosh. I just showed how like super TVTL nerdy I am. Maybe we cut this out. Jeremy, can you hmm. just r- make a note? Okay. I'm just
3: glad we got to the bottom of it, you know? The, bo- <laughs> the bottom of him not remembering anything about it. <laughs>
4: Nothing worse. Not only does he not remember the song, and he doesn't remember the thing. He doesn't remember me. He doesn't remember where he is. Wait, now this is starting to be like an Alzheimer's thing. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> no,
2: it's really not. Andrew, I, you guys want to know you? You guys want a moment of honesty? Um yes. A complete, a complete uh, bearing of my, um, my, my soul is. If I'm worried about one thing, it is definitely my mind. I think that I am. I am really, I would say, testing the listener's patience as it is now with my inability to remember anything, like anybody's name. And I have these conversations with my dad where I can hear, first of all, what I sound like now, him trying to remember people's names. Plus, it's a little Mm -hmm. bit worse because he's, you know, 30 years older than me. And I, I do not know that I can have a very long career in broadcasting if I cannot figure out a way to remember, like, Simple information, which is why I've been like super uh, kind of prepped for our stupid Game of Thrones segments because I'm so mm-hmm. concerned about, you know, going down a rabbit hole. of You know, the guy who was married to the other person who lost his finger like that's really irritating <laughs> broadcasting.
3: Well, Andrew, I'm about 10 years older, maybe 11 years older than you, and I experience some of the same things. But what I want to ask you is when you're doing the podcast, do you find it's better to have your computer open and search for the things that you're that you're trying to come up with, or is it better to shut that off and try to use your brain?
2: Oh, I definitely always have it open. I need it, first of all, for sound and stuff anyway, for just various reasons. And I always have a um not a script, but kind of the show sheet so I know what areas we're going in. And I will sometimes basically what happens is Luke and I will share a bunch of um, ideas back and forth. He'll put together the, the kind of rundown for the show and email it to me. I take that rundown and then I put it into my little document. And then I uh, adjust it for me. I put little notes of mm-hmm. uh, to remind myself, oh, I want to make this point or here's a link right. to the um, to the Facebook comment that I'm going to rail about or whatever. So I want to make sure that everything I need is right in front of me the whole time. And so while that's open, if there is somebody who whose name I can't remember and it's – first of all, if Luke or I have already said, oh, what was that person's name, you want to be able to Google it pretty quickly. And every mm-hmm. now and then – if Luke is saying something I'll be like, "Oh, that rem- that that reminds me of that um actress who was in the the Breakfast Club." Sometimes I can Google it before I even open my mouth, which that's the best. That's the best.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, um I guess what I'd need from you now before we go to your clip is I need to know when did you get the call and were you surprised? And how? I mean, I know you're kind of a, you're kind of a nervous guy. How nervous were you sitting in the big boy chair for the first time?
2: Man, I wish I could Google that. I don't. <laughs> it was a very. I, I'm not embarrassed that I don't remember it that clearly because it was a very kind of natural evolution. My role on the show. I told you about you know kind of working with Luke at Cairo Radio and producing his other show. In a much Mm -hmm. more behind the scenes thing. We're hanging out all the time. We're working together all the time. Then I'm a guest on TBTL a couple of times to talk about, you know, my old job and running away. And I was, then he probably invited me on a few times after that to maybe just to, I don't even really recall, but just to, you know, on days, I think Jen was, was, I think that's what it was Jen had made the announcement that she was officially moving out of state mm-hmm. and it was just not going to be practical for her to even try to continue doing the show anymore so they both decided let's not try to do this via Skype I think maybe this was when she was actually going on her her road trip maybe did mm-hmm. she do the show from her road trip when she, she did she- for a while okay so this was her yeah. second time of moving when she moved to the Midwest mm-hmm. and I think what it was was Luke and I were very familiar with each other by this point. We were friends and coworkers. You might even, you might even call us colleagues, and uh, and so I. And, <laughs> oh you know, wait, I got
3: to get another drink.
2: <laughs> and so you know, at, at some point, Luke said, "Hey, listen, you know, this is the deal. Jen's leaving. She's going to make the announcement. You know, can you just do this with me for three days a week?" And it was an actual, it was an actual job. And I think we even said it on the TBTL fundraiser for the first time. It was kind of like, "We need Andrew mm-hmm. to do this. He's got, you know." a limited amount of time, so do it. You know, he hired me, officially hired me to be his co-host for three days a week, but I knew immediately I'm not going to do it three days a week. I'll just do it every day. And if it gets to be Mm. too much, then I'll back out and remind him that it was supposed to be three days a week and not five, but it never really was a problem. It was always a a fun way to start my day, either end my day or start my day, depending on what my Mm full-time job was at the time. Um, I I think I was probably pretty psyched. I'm sorry, I, I don't remember... I don't remember more details. I think we were uh, probably finishing up a show that I was a guest on when he when he probably said, "Hey, this is what the deal is." I, I'm sure I'm I probably came back was psyched as shit to tell Genevieve that basically my favorite radio show was asking me to be a be a part time uh, person on the show.
3: Well, that's that's what I really want to get at, and um, the fact that you can't really remember how you know. You can't remember the specifics of how you kind of slid into the chair, leads me to believe that that Phyllis Phyllis might be on the same track. So watch out.
2: Yeah, no, I mean absolutely
3: appearing and then appearing more and then appearing more and then all of a sudden, where's Andrew?
2: No, you're absolutely right. Which is why that's another reason why I'm not going skydiving anytime soon. Also, (laughs) I'm scared of things. That's a big reason why I'm not going (laughs) skydiving anytime soon. Phyllis
3: hasn't invited you rock climbing.
2: no, not yet. How much do you guys love Phyllis, by the way? I didn't get to hear um, her love. on this show last week. That's already posted, right? Her appearance on this show? Yeah.
4: I would say the ones that we release on Saturdays are definitely safe for you to yeah. listen to if you yeah. ever want to.
2: Yeah.
3: We don't talk because a lot of smack we don't about, talk about on Yeah, we on talk Saturdays. about the
4: old shows. How It's mostly about the tent and how they basically like this interview we don't mm-hmm. recap what you guys mm-hmm. do we don't even really talk about the show that much except for about how much that person loves the show so if you were to listen to anything that would be the day i feel like and i've that maybe given
2: for... you guys kind of the wrong impression I, I, it's not that i don't listen because i'm worried to, to hear you guys talk about my, uh about me i, I don't listen because i don't think mike is a very good host mm-hmm. oh
4: okay yeah i get that i've already yeah. had, I already have people waiting on deck for that, yeah mm-hmm. not only
3: does Christy get that, I mean she gets a lot of feedback that says exactly that
2: mm-hmm. so yeah you i mean it's an interesting quality, but you definitely are kind of the uh you have a very kind of grading mm-hmm. um kind of presentation that that makes it very noted. difficult for people um like me to listen but uh noted
3: inaccessible yeah. is how i've been described.
2: inaccessible yeah
3: yeah mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: But All thank right. you for it having me on, though. I mean, I do appreciate the opportunity.
3: <laughs> Card is true, Walsh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the reason we ha- we're having him on tonight is to play a clip. Uh, I know it doesn't seem like that because we've been doing a lot of stuff with him, but the clip that Andrew has for us tonight is the um, it's a Tom Tangney clip. Tom Tangney is the movie reviewer for. Uh Cairo, K-I-R-O-F-M in Seattle, and he's been there for a long time, still is there, right? Yeah, he's a,
2: he's a co-host now. He's a co-host of the 9 a.m. to noon slot. He's actually the co-host co- of one of the slots that Luke had at that at that station he co-hosts for a He co host
3: with Dave Ross and he's a really interesting guy and, and he's a really gregarious guy and he, they would have him on in the radio days quite a bit to talk about movies either around Oscar time or talk about movies that revolved around a theme and this particular clip was about Christmas movies. And I I think they each had a list of Christmas movies. I couldn't really tell from the clip, um, what anybody's list really completely looked like, but they did talk about a bunch of movies and Andrew, where were you when you first heard this clip? I think it was 2008. And, and what, uh, was this one of the things that hooked you? What, why did you choose this clip?
2: Yeah, it's funny. The show I had been listening to for, I, I would probably say at least a year at that point, um, if not more, and like I told you, I started listening almost like uh almost like homework sort of uh for for the public radio job I was working on at the time, and trying to steal ideas and whatever, and seeing what else was out there and I always knew it was a special show, I definitely loved it, but for some reason, you were asking me, Mike, to you know suggest a a, a clip or pull a clip that really stuck out, and again, for me, I guess I don't live my life with. Like, then this big moment came and everything changed, kind of like you were asking me when I got to sit in the big seat, which really, I mean, Luke technically sits in the big seat, right? Don't I sit in, like, mm. the little seat next to the big seat?
3: You <laughs> sit in the in, in the Cairo days, it was the squeaky chair across
2: from Luke, usually. Yeah. Anyway. You can hear um, it in all the old So I was flips. trying to really, I was struggling trying to think of what was the moment that I was hooked, and I, I really almost gave up on it, and then it occurred to me, oh, yeah, I have a very just visceral memory of um, packing up the house Genevieve had already moved to Seattle I stayed behind for a few months to pack up the house And try to sell the house And um, prepare it for the movers and everything And this is just one of those moments Where I remember exactly where I was Like I was in the closet In the living room closet Packing up that closet And uh, listening to this episode of TBTL And this would have been 2008 Right before I moved out here and Or out to Seattle And uh, you know I I... I think that anybody listening to the clip is going to just know why it kind of got its claws in me. I mean, Tom Tangney is absolutely one of my favorite people in the world. At this point, this is probably the first time I've ever even heard his voice. You know, Mm -hmm. I never know that someday I'm going to end up, you know, working with him, that he would even be what you would call a colleague. Um, and hearing his kind of cerebral list of movies, he's one of the most like kind of public radio brains in the world, but he's working mm-hmm. for this commercial radio station, which is an approach and a presentation that I like so much. And then you have Jen describing her movies, and I think what really got me was you have his cerebral movies, and then you have Jen making the most impassioned, thoughtful argument for Home Alone. And you get right. done listening to this segment, you're just like, God damn, I guess I gotta watch Home Alone again. Like I had never I mean these two brilliant (laughs) not to leave Luke out of it, but Luke was setting it up mostly to have these guys have their Mm -hmm. lists. I don't think Luke had a list. And hearing these two very different brains, even it became like a good humored debate at times. I mean, this clip to me just has all of the magic of those early days of TBTL. All right. Let's uh play the clip, Jeremy.
6: And, and
5: now the TBTL
7: players. The Vault Room. Let's move. The last of the money is piled on. Hans hangs onto Holly while Eddie pushes the mail carts of money bags. Kristoff goes to the door to scope their escape. Suddenly, he is cold cocked by a rifle butt. McLean steps into view in the doorway, backlit by sparks still tumbling down from the roof above. He holds the machine gun ready. Hans! Hans turns, not that surprised. Grinning, he yanks Holly into view. No words need be said. John!
6: Holly, we have to stop meeting like this. So that's what it was, an effing robbery? Why nuke the building, Hans? When you steal $600,
7: you can disappear. But when you steal six hundred million, they will find you, unless you play dead. Which happens to be your next role. Drop your gun, please. McLean hesitates. Hans pushes the gun against Holly again, really hurting her. Eddie quickly raises his weapon. Nein! Das it's mein. This time John Vane does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly.
6: That was Gary Cooper, S-Head. No more jokes. Drop it or she gets it for twinsy ice. Whoa, Hans! Now you're the cowboy.
7: yippee ki mother effer.
6: <laughs> now you are effed.
7: He aims.
6: Holly, now.
7: Instantly, Holly sidesteps, jabs her elbow into Hans' face. <sighs> At the same moment, Holly. <laughs> Holly moves. McLean grabs his beretta from its hiding place, taped to the back of his neck, shoots Hans high in the chest. <laughs> The bullet passes through Hans.
3: (laughs) That was a loud gun.
7: Passes through Hans, and the window behind him splatters with blood and shatters. Hans drops his weapon and staggers and looks down at his own blood in shock.
6: You were right about us Americans. We are cowboys.
7: In the vault room, incredibly, Hans still stands, eyes filled with shock and disbelief. He reels and falls against the windowsill, starts to topple, and then grits his teeth and from some inward place finds a last reserve of strength, and he grabs Holly's wrist. She is yanked off her feet. Hans goes out the window, pulling Holly with him. McLean leaps forward, catches her inside arm near the elbow at the last minute. The roof still in flames. McLean hangs halfway out of the window, jagged glass raking his face, straining to hold on to Holly as Hans drags her out. McLean braces himself against the window frame and strains to pull Holly closer. Hans has a death grip on the watch band. He is straining with his other hand. McLean releases the latch on the watch band and the overtaxed metal snaps. Hans' face registers his horror as he and the watch suddenly drop. McLean pulls Holly back into the room and holds her.
8: It's okay, babe. It's okay.
7: He looks down at Han's body, then back at the scrap of wristband he's still holding.
6: You got a warranty on this?
7: She laughs through her tears and holds (laughs) on to him. Outside Nakatomi Plaza, later, McLean and Holly walk to Argyle's limo. It's a little smashed up, but still running. Argyle is standing beside the open door. McLean and Holly get in, and Argyle closes the door.
5: If this is their idea of Christmas, I gotta be there for New Year's.
2: Christmas trees, decorate the house with lights at night. Snows on the ground, snow white so bright. In the fireplace is the Yule log Beneath the mistletoe as we drink eggnog. The rhymes that you hear are the rhymes
5: of Garrett. Like each and every year we bust Christmas.
6: Oh man. The TBTL players, even in disgrace, they uh they really they illuminate these texts in a way that, you know. I always take something away from it, even when they have eight to nine minute um, bursts of uncontrollable laughter during (laughs) interludes. (laughs) Yes, that's right. It was it was merely an interlude.
7: It was kind of hard to watch, though. She was having kind of a a breakdown a little bit.
6: Well, you know, I I hear that that particular actress has been going through a lot. I heard that the the street from her house is closed down because of ice and that she more or less exists in an 85 year old woman's kind of state of mind. Mm -hmm. This is just some of. What I've been that's about just that gossip. Have you
7: been reading Us Weekly again?
6: Well, I, I, I mean, I, in the line at the supermarket, I've glanced at it. Well, anyway, that's the Tale players, ladies and gentlemen, and their rendition of the Christmas classic, Die Hard. Uh, we are uh, playing uh, you that little bit of uh, theatricality to uh, kind of introduce this segment tonight, which is Why It Matters Christmas Movies. And we're very, very happy to be joined by Tom Tagney, our Cairo movie guy. Hiya, Tom. Hi. Equally happy to be here. Well, this is... God, you sound like Argyle. That's... <laughs> from Die Hard. That's... Has anyone ever told you that? <laughs> no, that's the first. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> uh, well, as luck would have it, you have also, over at mynorthwest.com at your very excellent blog, you've put up your list of the best holiday movies. Just? So this was this was meant to be. Um, uh, everybody has an opinion on this. We put uh, a uh, posting about it on the blog, and there are a ton of comments. Um, you know, I, I was saying uh, in the seven o'clock hour, I think that Christmas movies are people feel intensely about them because you know people feel strongly about movies and feel strongly about Christmas, and there's all this emotional attachment to Christmas. Like when I watch It's a Wonderful Life, it's not a cinematic experience for yeah. me. It's an emotional kind of holiday lifestyle memory nostalgia you know what i mean it's like Completely. this. it's intense
5: so that's what i think it's a great topic actually to be doing christmas movies because as, especially when you're when you're sort of formally recognized as a critic you have to have these aesthetic standards but when it comes to criti- christmas movies you com- you kind of mix those aesthetic standards with a real strong sentimentality and nostalgia i mean there are these streaks that really kind of blend into an interesting uh, mélange that isn't typical of you know it's hard i mean th- some of the movies on on uh, my list here, I think, are top drawer movies. But a lot of the reasons why I consider them top drawer has personal connections. Mm-hmm. I have personal connections to them that that's kind of outweigh some of the other critical standards you might uh, you know throw at them. So yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. It's the best mix of the personal and the critical at the same
6: time. I think um, there was a, a very incendiary story in the New York Times today. I don't know if you saw it, but I can summarize. It for you. Um, the uh, the writer was talking about how "It's a Wonderful Life" is you know it's people had the term Capra esque exists for a reason, right? Because it's considered this escapism and everything turns out great. But he was writing about how really this is a movie about settling and about having your dreams crushed and about living a life of anger,
7: that simmering hostility. Yeah,
6: yeah. and I have to say he makes a pretty good point. I saw yeah. "It's a Wonderful Life" at the Grand Illusion this week with ah. my girlfriend, and she said to me as we were on our way over to see the film that she, when she was a kid, would get so frustrated by that movie because, you know, uh, Jimmy Stewart's character just keeps getting right up to the edge of his dream happening, and then it's always just sort of snatched away from him.
5: Yeah, that's, you know, I did see the uh, the article, I haven't read it, but I actually have it on my uh, desk right now, and I love, that's a very, the thing is, people forget how dark it's a Wonderful Life is, and, it's, you know, this guy is suicidal, and yeah. it's about how he works through those suicidal tendencies, but, yeah, there are a lot of, and that's why uh, It's a Wonderful Life is something of a cliche now for a list, but it made my list, especially now, given the kind of economic times that we're going through, I think it has even more resonance than it often does, you know, in other times, so, yeah, I mean, it it is very dark, and I think Capra... uh there, there are certain reasons why we remember that the 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 culmination of movies always tends to be a little sweet, but they forget that how, how dark you know at what expense that sweetness comes, mm-hmm. and it's it, they 're
6: dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, let's um, if we can, maybe we'll run down a couple of your films you have here, and uh, and then Jen, you can you can chime in because I know you have strong opinions on this. I I will I may throw down some of my thoughts, but mostly I just want to facilitate you two synestes <laughs> having your having your time here, uh, and we'll read. If my Christmas comment. is better than your Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, right. Anytime, cause that's what it amounts to, really, yeah, right? Exactly. I
7: I mean, anytime that Tom finds himself in a film that's in any way sentimental or or loving or warm, he thinks to himself, Jen Andrews is gonna love this. <laughs> (laughs)
6: And am I wrong? (laughs) Um, uh, Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Number seven on your list. Uh, It's interesting to see. It's Wonderful Life comes in at number nine. Yeah, Um, and uh, at at number, I'll just kind of go to some of the ones which we have a little tape example from. It number seven is a film called, which I've never heard of, called The Shop Around the Corner. Um, and
7: oh, You've Got Mail is the remake of that.
6: Yes, and yeah. that kills me. You know, you talk yeah.
5: about how frustrated it is to sit through The fact that You've Got Mail even exists. I'd like to destroy every single
6: copy of that film <laughs> to protect the memory of the classic that it's based yeah. on. All right, let's, let's, he- let's hear a little bit of the shop around the corner.
8: I didn't know you had a girlfriend. Oh, yes. I... Probably isn't easy for you to imagine anyone. Like a man of my type. But... Now, Mr. Crawley, don't let's start all over again. It's Christmas and I'd like to be friends with you. Besides, you're wrong. Do you mind if I tell you something? No, not at all. Well, when I first came to work here, something very strange happened to me. I got psychologically mixed up. You don't say? Yes. I found myself looking at you again and again. I just couldn't take my eyes off you. Oh. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all the time I kept saying to myself, Clara Novak, what on earth is the matter with you? This Kralik is not a particularly attractive type of man. I hope you don't mind. No, no, at no, all. No, now, no, 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 no. here comes the paradox. I found myself falling for you. I can't believe it. Yes, that. Mr. Kralik, and very much so. You certainly didn't show it. Listen, in those first few weeks... Well, I know you won't misconstrue what I'm going to say to you. After all, I'm very happily engaged. At least it looks that way. Yes, well, go on. Oh, in those first few weeks, there were moments in the stockroom when you could have swept me off my feet. Now I'm getting psychologically mixed up. (laughs) That's Jimmy Stewart
6: um and uh, who's the and M- Margaret, Margaret Sullivan. Sullivan
5: who's one of my favorite actresses she's like forgotten but she's in some of these great movies and this is a great pairing she actually kind of discovered uh Jimmy Stewart she was the one Jimmy Stewart and uh um uh Henry Fonda were uh mates and they the three of them were in all of these kind of summer stock theater and Margaret Sullivan had a movie career and she and so did Henry Fonda and the the uh Hollywood just didn't see Jimmy Stewart they couldn't understand how Jimmy Stewart would be he's certainly not a leading man and she said no, you don't get. His appeal is that he's the virginal man. He is going mm-hmm. to be so appealing. I guarantee he really pushed him. He was very, in person, he was very shy, just like his characters often are. And she convinced the studios. Jimmy Stewart might not have a career if it wasn't for Margaret Sullivan. And this is one of the great movies where she, you know, paired off with him. These two are, are, are sort of battling, warring co- co-workers. They're in a little place in uh, Budapest, Hungary, and they're selling uh, their shopkeeper uh, uh, salespeople, and they just, they hate each other. They just, you know, they just are always bitching at each other, and yet they have this kind of, you know, correspondence, this email correspondence, not email at the time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they write back and forth, and they, they create this sort of fantasy vision of themselves and the response, and it turns out, of course, as you can see it coming, but it's very, it's very cute how, uh, how it works out, and it seems so much more authentic. And their boss, by the way, is played by Frank Morgan, who we all know from Wizard of
6: it's a, oh, right. I cannot
5: recommend this movie highly enough. It's really sweet. It's set at Christmas although it, it covers the year. It culminates at Christmas.
6: It's uh The Shop Around the Corner. It's yeah. number 7 on Tom Tagney's list. I wanted to ask you uh, about the distinction between a like a Christmas movie and a movie for which Christmas is just kind of the backdrop or it you know there's a scene where like people like Die Hard? Well, that's, you know, <laughs> That's I was going shot to shot across you.
5: the bow. And, fair Possibly. enough. Sorry, fair Jan. enough. Possibly? Hey, listen, no, yeah. we don't no, it's select a good what the
6: Tell players are going to do. <laughs> Part of the deal is we give them artistic freedom. Sometimes we agree with them. Sometimes we don't. This was maybe not one of those times. Comes down from heaven. No, I think it's perfectly but, appropriate. But because but cause, um, I think that people when they sometimes when people talk about their favorite Christmas movie, it's it's a movie like believe it or not, like Die Hard, where. Uh, it's just something's happening, and then there's a Christmas tree in the background. Yeah. For you, for it to be a Christmas movie, does the Christmasness need to be essential part of the plot?
5: No, absolutely not. Although I, I like the setting, and one of my uh, 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 choices is something is called Fanny and Alexander, which is one of the great movies of all time. I mean, that, that really it transcends Christmas movies, and then some. It's by, by Igmar Bergman, but. There, and it's not, the entire movie is about all of life, as Bergman's films tend to do, and it's mm-hmm. long and it's, you know, it's, it just, it, it includes multitudes, you know, in its, uh, in its dimensions. But there are crucial scenes in that movie that are set at Christmas, and so for me, that qualifies as a Christmas movie. However, if Christmas is completely incidental, I don't know. I think that's uh, that you know it's a bit of a mix. I love the idea of uh, Die Hard as being uh, as being a Christmas movie because I never think of it as such, but they didn't accidentally set it at Christmas. I mean, they clearly decided they were going to they're they're going to get something out of that setting. So, I think that's a stretch and I, I applaud the stretch. I mean, I think that's good <laughs> to expand the realm of what what constitutes a Christmas movie. I'm all for it.
6: It was well, also AMT's, suggested he's believe he's it or
7: not lying by there to see her because it's Christmas. Yeah, right. That's the whole reason. Yeah, well, there you go.
6: And it was it was uh, it was suggested by uh, by I think a few of our of our commenters who are probably like about my age and you know saw it when they were when they were 14 or something and for them it's it is actually, bizarrely enough, a Christmas movie, a Christmas classic, even. Yeah. Um, we're uh, we're talking about Christmas movies uh, with our friend Tom Tangney. He's the Kairos movie guy, and uh, he uh, writes very eloquently at the MyNorthwest.com blog about films. He's got a list of the top 10 holiday movies. Um, I, I like to think of myself as knowing a little bit about films, not nearly what you do, but I have to say, most of these movies I'm reading their title for the first time. <laughs> well, actually. So maybe I-, I don't know as much about <laughs> movies as I thought I did. Oh, no, I think it's a good thing, but you know, a lot of, a lot of Christmas movies
5: are are generational. You know, so the, mm-hmm. the movies that came out when you were, there's a crucial age, I think. In fact, this is interesting. If you look at movie critics in general, what they're, what they think are the greatest movies of all time, they're usually, they usually came out when they were like in college or early twenties. Cause that's when you're most open and you're right. mo- you feel like you're at your, you know, your most sophisticated, your glory days. And it's it just, and it's an accident of, you know, birth, I think, what, what movies you tend to focus on. Mm-hmm. The, th- the thing is that I think your generation likes an entirely different set of movies than mine. And I, one of the things I want to do with this list is provide a list of movies that people, you know, don't often or necessarily think of when it comes to Christmas movies. Although I do have some uh, standards in on the list as well.
6: Uh, well uh, at number um, five, you have uh, well, you've Miracle at Thirty Fourth Street. Uh, at number six, I don't think yeah. that needs too much explaining.
7: I actually was going to mention that uh, uh, several of our listeners asked us to talk about that and sent really beautifully written letters. And could I read just a little bit of one? Please, please. This is from Madhu, actually. And he just saw it for his first time and wrote me a really long, really beautiful letter about it. But he said, overall, it leads to a deeper meaning for Christmas than most, that one can follow a series of perfectly reasonable events and achieve a seemingly unreasonable conclusion. But in the end, the unreasonable conclusion is more deeply satisfying.
8: Hmm.
6: Wow.
7: That was such a great way to express how you feel at the end of that movie.
6: That's how I felt about Ernest Saves Christmas. (laughs) Well, didn't we all? The thing is now, uh, now,
5: you know, given we're talking about these different generations, there are, there was a recent, relatively recent remake now. Mm -hmm. Um, do you know if this is the, uh, the original with, uh. He's
7: talking about the one with Natalie Wood. Yeah,
5: okay, yeah. And uh, Gwen, yeah, yeah, because that's the one I heartily endorse. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
7: I didn't think that the remake was that bad though. It had Sir. R- yeah,
5: Richard Attenborough. Richard Attenborough. A, yeah. yeah, as
7: Santa, who was a great Santa.
5: Yeah, I, but I still think that our, our man, Edmund Gwen, is even better. And you know, here's why I, and this is the great thing about Christmas movies. Here's why I love that movie. And it's not any, there are no critical standards I'm invoking to uh, argue <laughs> this. I love the idea, cause, At some point, when we're kids, we want to know if there's a Santa or not, and I love that this kid has this almost, it's like a legalistic approach. Okay, well, how does he get down the chimney, you know, and Mm -hmm. how does, and he really, she really presses that, and what this movie does is, it puts it in a courtroom, so he has to make legal arguments Mm -hmm. to prove the existence of Santa Claus. I really think that, that really taps into something about kids at a certain age when they really want to know, and they really want to question, and I think it's a great example of yeah, exactly what your uh, listener said, how you actually can use logic to, establish an
6: illogical position yeah. perhaps. It's brilliant. <laughs> Kids have a whole part of their life where they're obsessed with the Guinness Book of World Records. Yes. <laughs> right? I've no I don't know one adult who owns a Guinness Book of World Records, but every kid is at some point, I think it's about wanting to know what the sort of boundaries of everything are. Yeah. You're trying to kind of figure the world out. And <laughs> and I mean I think it kind of ties in a little bit to the to the plot of uh, of Miracle. All right, uh number um uh number 5 we'll have to be quick here because we got to take a break for news, but um number 5 on your list uh black adders Christmas Carol, Rowan Atkinson's brilliant topsy turvy take on uh, on Dickens. Let me p- if we could play just a little bit of this. We,
5: I think we need a setup. Here. Okay, please. You brought a clip in, in black. In Blackadder, though, he, he plays a too nice man. This is a Scrooge. He's too nice, and he has to. He over the <laughs> learns over the course of the evening that he need he shouldn't be so darn nice. So it's a reverse. It's a complete reversal.
6: Okay, here's a little bit of that.
5: <laughs> this is the opening in the reign of Good Queen Vic. There stood in Dumpling Lane in Old London Town the moustache shop of one
8: Ebenezer Blackadder, the kindest and loveliest man in all England. (laughs) He's kind and generous to the sick. He'd never spread a nasty rumour. He never gets on people's wings.
6: So it comes from a really interesting premise, which is that he has to learn to stand up for himself a little bit.
5: <laughs> yeah, everyone
6: takes advantage of it. What him. else is every good, step of the way? What so, else is great about this? Well, the thing
5: is, you have the.
6: Uh, I'm surprised
5: that you're not familiar with the uh, the British series. Oh, or, I know the Black Oh, just not the Christmas. Oh, yeah. I didn't
6: know that they did a, a the Christmas. Christmas account. Account. Oh,
5: and yeah. it's definitely worth seeking out because I mean, everything they do is they just sort of play with history, and so this one they actually play with a Christmas tradition. And so, I mean, he has people come in, and like, there's an, another scene that we have where they come in and they're the orphans and they're collecting for the orphans, and they come in says. Well, you know, we're a little short in our, um, you know, in our collection, but we always knew that you could come through and they completely take advantage of him. He starts off with, you know, like four or five presents he's going to give out and each person comes in and takes it away, takes it away, (laughs) takes it away. And And the idea is just how much he's being taken advantage of. And so over the course of the night, he realizes, you know, I really am a stoop. I've got to be a lot harder. It's it's brilliant. I think Rowan Atkinson is, to me, the Blackadder series is the funniest thing that's ever been on TV. And this is like the ultimate. Because here's the deal about Christmas Carol. I like Christmas Carol. I, I mean, I get it. And I I I, I recommend the, the Magoo version personally right. for, for personal reasons. But to me, it's a little, I've seen it too many times. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's nice to actually see something turned upside down. And the great thing about Rowan Atkinson is he's so articulate and so literate mm-hmm. about his jokes, it, it, despite the fact that he's making fart jokes and everything else. Right. In the midst of it that I just this just had me howling. I love this version.
7: To just piggyback on that for a second, on my list is the Muppet Christmas Carol. This might be the generational thing that you (laughs) were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. The Muppet Christmas Carol, I can watch it every year. It makes me laugh so hard. We my whole my sister owns it and we will just do lines from that constantly. So I recommend the Muppet Christmas Carol.
6: There you go. I wasn't allowed to watch The Muppets as a kid because it was non-Christian. So, but I could recommend some, um, you know, religious tracks that I was reading around my house. That not as fun, um, but you know, just if we're all kind of throwing down based so, on our, our history. So Dickens was too secular for you, I wish you Actually, me? actually, I was allowed to go to Act Theatre's production of A Christmas Carol, and then my mom made us audition for it the next year to be in it. <laughs> and she made my sisters recite the lyrics to the song "Raindrops on Roses" as their audition, and they. The- people just looked at him like not
7: sing it recite it speak it raindrops
6: on roses and whiskers on kittens oh, and the no. producers just looked at them and me later like are you crazy children
5: you know, I think there's a TBTL version of Christmas Carol that needs to be done that's, that'll be as good as Blackadder's Christmas Carol. I don't Carol. know. It's a high bar, very high bar.
6: Okay, listen, we've got to take a break for the news here. We we're already uh, running into trouble, as is always the case when Tom's here, because we love talking to you. And we love it more than playing the commercials. Hey. But in the interest of all of us keeping our jobs, let's take a quick break and uh, do some news and such. Uh, then want to come back, I want to uh, uh, hear about some of these other films on your list. And, and Jen, I want to get some of your list too, because I feel like there's going to be a, kind of a yin and a yang.
7: You think Here, so? I th- <laughs> and I think that's going to
6: be good. Whereas Tom is going more in the John Houston direction, you may be going more in the Ernest. Nora, Nora Ephron. Nora yeah. Ephron. Not you've got mail. Oh, that's please, not on my don't list. Do don't that, worry. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take a quick break and we'll bring you more uh, TBTL movie discussion in a moment. Snow, snow, snow,
8: snow, snow. It won't be long before we'll all be there with snow, snow snow i want to wash my hands my face with snow
6: i have to say uh we're an hour and a half into the show and it's the first time i've played that so i'm i'm restraining myself in a manner that i didn't last night <laughs> why bother uh, uh, thank <laughs> turn you turn it up <laughs> this is TVTL on news talk 97.3 cairo fm we're talking about holiday movies uh we've got tom tagney here um he's uh uh, the Cairo movie critic, and uh, he uh, has written this great rundown of his favorite holiday movies, uh, which uh, we're going to put up at the uh, TBTL site so you can easily find it. Uh, and um, I think you'll read it with great interest. Jen certainly has, uh, With and by interest I mean disagreement. <laughs> What did you? What were you quote? Ah, hell, no! When you actually looked at it,
7: I said, "This is a crazy list." Yes,
6: I'm sorry, you called it a crazy list. What um? What's on your list, Jennifer? Uh, uh, Tom has a a, a nod to a very. Uh, artfully made. Well, most of them. I mean, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carols on there too. But a lot of them are very artful and cinematic. And what do, you, what, do you, what do you have?
7: I don't have any of those. Yeah, <laughs>
6: that sounds about right. By definition.
7: <laughs> um, I think that my list is one that people will recognize. Some of the films that are Touché. on. Touche. <laughs> and a lot of them are your obvious picks. Your It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street. Um, I got those two. One, uh, beat me in St. Louis.
6: Beat uh, me in st louis meet me oh meet me <laughs> that sounds like a whole different picture i was saying to tom again, i don't want to sound like i'm 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 a kind of uh, to use my least favorite phrase in the world now throwing you under the bus mm-hmm. can we put a, just put out a fatwa on that on throwing <laughs> people under the bus it's like the favorite thing of Top Chef and Project Runway not to throw you under the bus but is Meet Me in St. Louis really a Christmas movie I mean she th-
7: sings Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas
6: yeah but I mean they also at Halloween there's the scary thing with the train and the little girl Tootie or whatever her name is I
7: know and there's the trolley and i mean it's, the it, it, it
6: goes in over the course of a 12 month period so by definition Christmas is going to be in there
7: well it's interesting because one of our listeners actually wrote a whole really involved letter also to me about how oftentimes we get confused with movies that we watch at Christmas and just kind of they become movies that we consider Christmas music movies or because we saw them on Christmas with Mm -hmm. our family. It has this weird Christmas vibe about it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I think that... I don't. I I know whatever I say, I'm going to start being booed.
6: No, no, no.
5: <laughs> Can you
7: guys not boo me? Not by me, who? Not Tom, by me certainly.
5: Might. I won't. Listen, boo you. I endorse your meet me in St. Louis because I Fanny Alexander for me is the same. That takes takes you know the course of an entire mm-hmm. year and it has all of the celebrations. But Christmas is a key one, and I think you could make the same argument for meet me in St. Louis. And it's a great movie to watch during Christmas vacation too, just because it fills you with that sense of family and mm-hmm. yeah, you know yeah. yeah.
7: Okay. Well, I'm going to go with. um I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna start with Home Alone. What? (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and the reason that I'm choosing Home Alone is because of the great Catherine O'Hara, who is un, godly good in both films and there's a moment in the first movie when kevin little macaulay colkin is you know it's the it's christmas eve the entire family is leaving to go to hawaii and they're all there and he's being a brat he's being a brat to the 10th degree he's just being awful and so finally his mother Catherine o'hara says to him kevin i want you to go upstairs to your room and i don't want to see you for the rest of the night and kevin looks right back at her and says i don't want to see you for the rest of my life And and she looks at him and she has that wounded look that mothers get when their children so stupidly say things like that. And she says, I hope that doesn't happen. And then the next morning he wakes up and the, you know, as everybody knows, the family overslept. They raced around. They forgot they'd sent him up to the attic the night before. They forget him. He's home alone for Christmas mm-hmm. and has to make his way. Face and of, that,
6: cheeks are slapped.
7: Yeah. But for me, it's really that moment that he has with his mother. And as the whole film unfolds, all he wants is to see his mother. That's all he wants. And it culminates. And then this is happening with his neighbor who has been a horrible father and is, and is estranged from his daughter. And so they're having this like these dual things and they both end up in church. On Christmas night praying to be reunited with their families and you, I love it
6: you don't think that the like the Pratt Falls and the Daniel Stern and then the Joe Pesci getting you know hit in the nards a hundred times that doesn't undermine its serious its place in the pantheon <laughs> of, of serious film
7: I to me that that movie is so moving when I by the time I get to that church scene all I want is for Catherine Harrow to come home and for him to realize that those words were not irreparable. And he is mm-hmm. going to see his mom again. And I love it. And then also what you get is the neighbor's daughter comes and forgives him.
6: You know what? I, th- I think, Jen, you, you've hit, I think you make a really a, a good case for that movie. And I think what you've hit upon is something that is what's so great about films, Christmas movies or otherwise, which is that f- for people that, that love movies, there can be one scene that just, and it could, the movie could be, I mean, I don't think of Home Alone as, as being, you know, high art, right? But there's one scene that for you really connects, maybe because of your own, you know, actual life experience, mm-hmm. and you feel like you can kind of relate to that. Mm-hmm. And I can think of 10 movies for me that are the same way. Like, somebody says one thing a certain way, and it, 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 it feels very personal to me because of whatever reason. And I then love that movie, and I, and I, and it becomes very important to me. You know, so the fact that you could get a little choked up talking about Home Alone,
3: mm-hmm.
6: Um, you know, well, it, it, you're, obviously you're working through some stuff. You don't have to do that on the air, but I think it's great. And I think it's what's so great about movies and Christmas movies. So I salute you on that, Jennifer. You know, I thought that was, you know, you, it may not be high art,
5: but your interpretation of that scene Qual- qualifies it as high art, I think, in that in that particular scene. If the movie is doing all that you see in that movie in that scene, then I think that that has as much aesthetic power as anything else. Clearly, it does for you. I was, you know, you think my list is crazy. I think that that's a crazy <laughs> suggestion. However, your interpretation of that reminds me of. Susan Sontag is; uh, she's uh, recently uh, passed away, but you know she's a great cultural critic. And I remember she did a review; I think it was of Our Hitler, which is like a ten-hour uh, kind of a pseudo-documentary about Hitler. And the commentary, and she wrote this great piece about it in the New York Review of Books.
6: And somebody said, "Was that a Lenny Reifenstahl film?" Or- no, 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 no,
5: no. This is a more; uh, it's a S- I think his name oh, okay. is uh, uh, the guy who did it. Came out maybe twenty years ago or so. But the thing is, the commentary that she did is such a, a glowing report about this movie. Somebody wrote back. I always remember this. just the problem with Susan Sontag is she makes the movie sound better than it really is because she's so good. And I would apply you win the Susan Sontag descriptive no, award. That is tonight. an
6: iron fist in a velvet glove. He's saying that that Home Alone is crap, but he's saying your description of it is beautiful. Thank Absolutely, you. that is a very very diplomatic way of telling Jen that she's nuts. No, no, no. I'm impressed. Okay, uh, well, let's uh, let's. Well, not everything on Tom on your list is um, is is necessarily. Uh, uh you know art house snooty uh you i wasn't going to say snooty i was going to say art house which <laughs> good, means good. the same thing yeah. uh and number 4 you have mr magoo's christmas carol what do you love about this and where we have a clip does it need some setting up
5: oh no i don't i mean i think everybody uh everybody knows this i just there the, one of the great things about i think musicals, and Christmas is when you combine them, it really adds to it. Now, the Christmas Carol, I, Dickens is one of my favorite authors of all time. I think he's a great writer. Christmas Carol is not one of my favorite pieces, but I think what these guys managed to do, the idea of taking a cartoon character, Mr. Magoo of all people, but it's perfect. He's a guy who can't see. He's, like, blind. <laughs> well, wh- wh- what better metaphor for a Scrooge than a guy who's literally blind? And then you have all of these great cornball songs. And I had a choice. I mean, you could pick, you know, any of them. But you- you've got to do the Razzleberry dressing, I think, if you're only going to choose one. And that's the one I went for. Will
8: we have a and some I forgot
6: about this song. Razzleberry <laughs>
8: well, dressing would be nice. Made of liver, while we're guessing, or maybe razzleberry dressing twice. We haven't had a hen since I can't tell you when. We'd love a hen again with razzleberry dressing. Now, is
6: part of your affection for this movie, Tom,
5: because you you watch it with your kids? No, well, the thing is, I grew up. No, this came out. This is this came out in the sixties when I was a kid. Oh wow! And so this was. I think I'm not positive. But I think this was the first time I'd ever seen a, any Christmas carols. I hadn't seen the Alistair Sims version that everyone you know loves, and you know, and then the George C. Scott one hadn't come out yet. So this is my introduction to it, and I loved it so much that when now I see straight versions of a Christmas carol, I miss where are the songs. You know, yeah. I, I feel like even though this is only it's about about forty minutes, thirty-five minutes, maybe, and they usually cut off a song or two to squeeze into the half-hour TV time slot. I just miss this, miss it so much that I really—and again, this is one of those personal connections. I grew up in the '60s and '70s. This, this to me, was the definition of Christmas, much like the, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer kinds mm-hmm. of things. Now, see, my wife Paige, she loves the George C. Scott version of Christmas Carol, and she watches that every every year. You know, that's that's her favorite. Everyone has Christmas Carol is one of those great things that there are multiple versions. Everyone tends to have a favorite uh, version of it for some people it's the muppets and i think it that has
7: great songs
5: yeah does it well see i'll have to go back in the uh, and yeah we should have a song off in mm-hmm. the two christmas carol versions because i think just about every one of these you know the the thing about the money and why doesn't my hand fit and all this oh there, it's some it's some great stuff but it's legitimately sentimental and it's a strong nostalgia kick for me
6: i think that a lot of the people who commented on our um uh, on the com at the TVTL page. I, I, I'm going to assume that they must be around the same age as as uh, me and Jen because it's a lot of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation gets a lot of votes. Christmas um, Story. Christmas, yeah, Christmas Story, story yeah. uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, I like that. Um, you know, uh, it, it's a thankfully n- not one nomination for Christmas with the Cranks.
5: <laughs> or, or surviving Christmas, or I surviving hope. Christmas. Two of the worst. Any films. of any
6: Tim Allen related, no. <laughs> uh, you know, Christmasy. Um, I I know we started the show by saying this, but I guess I keep being struck by how I really think that the when you're talking about Christmas movies, the the movie itself is secondary to what emotional state were you in when you watched it, because you could see the most craptastic movie at age. Twelve, and it connects with you for whatever reason, and it becomes for you the definition of of Christmas. Like I think of Better Off Dead as a Christmas movie just because they get these bizarre aardvark outfits that his, her, her mom, his mom is buying for them and stuff. And for some reason, that in my mind is a Christmas movie, even though it's really not. You know, I mean. So I, I think this is a really a time when we can thankfully uh, put aside our, um, you know, our like. Like, I, I, I pride myself on liking quality movies, but I'm okay with saying that, you know, I think some of these super cheesy Christmasy movies. I think Ernest Saves Christmas is a totally uh, decent <laughs> Christmas movie. I don't have uh, an, an eloquent, heartfelt uh, defense of it, much like Jen did of the Home Alone movies, but I saw Ernest Saves Christmas in, at the Aurora Village Theater. when <laughs> I, I was, actually saw it at the theater. I am are impressed. you kidding me? And when I was like 10... That was I mean, it it never snows in Tampa, Tom. I don't know if you really Orlando, wherever that movie set. Is that where you were? No, oh, no but that's the like, movie. That's the the plot is that, you know, it's it ends up snowing in Orlando. And I remember thinking this is a Christmas miracle. <laughs> so I'm I'm here to stand up for other movies that are, you know, not thought of as, as a classics. Jen, what else do you have on your list there?
7: Um I have while you were sleeping. And this is a real favorite of mine, and it stars Sandra Bullock, and she's alone. Her Her parents are dead. She's alone in Chicago at Christmas, and through a series of, you know, ridiculous mishaps that are are not why I love it, she ends up kind of being adopted by this family who mistakenly believe that she is engaged to their son. Mm -hmm. He's in a coma, so he can't say anything, and she is so lonely and such an... Uh, such a sad person that to have this family surround her with love and bring her into their family and hang a stocking and give her gifts, she's willing to go along with this huge lie that's going to expose her and humiliate her. But just for this one day, To have love and to feel a part of a family again, which she hasn't for a really long time. She's willing to, like, lose all her dignity and go along with this lie that's going to be exposed. Mm -hmm. And there is a scene where...
6: Kind of like when you lied about volunteering with kids who have muscular dystrophy.
7: (laughs) Yeah. That was
6: art imitating life. Imitating (laughs) art imitating life. But it was a heartfelt lie. Yeah.
7: So uh, anyway, it, it culminates in this, uh, and, and so they have Christmas together, and then he w- wakes up from the coma, but he is such a, a sad kind of dead person inside that he agrees to go along with this also, and so they end up going to get married to each other, these two people who don't know each other, and this Is this whole Bill lie. Pullman? Yeah. No. Mr. It's, Charisma? It's Peter Gallagher. Oh. Bill Pullman Mr. is Mr. Eyebrows. You're just ruining this. I'm not. Just forget it.
6: No, keep going.
7: So they get to the wedding, and she finally realizes she has to say something, and so she says, stop.
6: Because she, she loves says, Bill Pullman, right? She
7: says, I don't love him. I love all of you. And she looks to this whole family of people who took her in, and she says, you're who I fell in love with. I don't love them. I love you. And then Now, she now you're out. just <laughs>
6: crying because you know that I can't argue with you every time you cry as you're making your final statement. It's a very effective gambit. <laughs>
7: So anyway, they end up realizing that, um, you know, it doesn't matter that they're not related and it doesn't matter that she wasn't engaged to him. They loved her and she loved them back. And that's family. And that's what Christmas is about. And I love it.
6: Wow. You really <laughs> managed to. No, seriously, Jen, you really managed to like I get so distracted with, you know getting annoyed with little side elements cuz you said through a series of events that I don't want to get bore, you know bore you guys with. See, those series of events would make me be like, oh, I don't like this movie, but you're you you wait and and you get through that and then you find the emotional <laughs> core of it, which I think is really cool. Thank you. That's good. I don't I don't I probably wouldn't watch that movie, but I but maybe I wouldn't turn it off if it was on Cinemax <laughs> because of your description of
7: Wonderful. it.
6: Wonderful. Um Okay, we we got to take a break here, but when we come back, Jen, I want to get your final movie on your list, uh, or at least the last movie you want to nominate, and then, um, Tom, I want to get uh, the the number one movie on your list because it has a very um, un-Christmassy name, <laughs> but it, it, as you were describing it during the break, it seems like it, it actually has a lot to offer, and it sounds like it's also the uh, motivation for a Christmas party you and Paige have been throwing for two decades. Yep. Yeah. Two decades. So uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll um, we'll 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 wrap up this conversation uh, about holiday movies on TBTL. Don't go anywhere.
8: Amen to that. Glory.
2: So who needs a movie?
6: Welcome back to TBTL. Jen, I wanted to let you put your final nomination in, but I don't know if my heart can handle it. <laughs> I feel like you're going to tell me about the Santa Claus Four, but you're going to do it in such an emotional and honest way <laughs> that I'm going to be left holding the pieces of my broken life. So, would it be all right if if we we wrapped it up with Tom's movie? Absolutely. Okay, I, I think you've you've raised some incredible points, and I I love I love what you do for the show. <laughs> That sounded patronizing. I didn't mean it to. I I really mean that. Um, But I seriously can't handle any (laughs) more crying because I'm not comfortable enough in my own I And
7: I would have cried,
6: so. What was the movie going to be? Little Women. And
7: I just have to say, Beth March, and then I start crying.
6: Okay. Well, (laughs) you see, you still got it in. Little Women, the final one uh, for Jen's nomination. All right. So, Tom, at the top of your list, we're talking to Tom Tagney, Cairo movie critic, producer extraordinaire. Uh, You've got your best holiday movies, and the number one is called The Dead. (laughs) Yes. That's so
5: typical (laughs) of me, isn't it? It's a
6: John (laughs) Huston adaptation of a James Joyce uh, work. The Dead? This really? Is, yeah,
5: here's the thing. It's set on the Epiphany Dinner. This is one of the great movies, and I highly recommend it to, e- to everyone out there. It, it's set at Epiphany Dinner, which is um, on the Epiphany, which is January 6th. It's the, like the 12th day of the 12 mm-hmm. days of Christmas. And it's set in the turn of the century in Ireland, and it's all of these Irish family members and uh, pupils all get together for this one great feast. And they do recitations, and they have this great dinner, and it's this very moving piece about love and loss and family and mortality. This this movie inspired us so much. Paige was pregnant with her with our first child at the time. We saw this at um you know on a snow uh, drenched street up in a, uh, you know in Greenwood at the Ridgemont Theater, and we were just the wa- Ridgemont. That's an apartment building. Yeah. We were it is now an apartment yeah. building, but it was the for, It was the art house yeah. of the fifties and sixties and seventies. It's just this great. I really miss it. Yeah. But we had such a, an incredible experience with this kind of family, and we you know we're Irish Catholic, and, and just sort of everything. The tenor of everything. Fit. So ever since then, we've had an epiphany dinner every January 6th where we invite our family. It is, you know, it's, it's a packed place. We all do recitations or do songs. It's, it's, I would get as emotional if I talk about this as Jen has been on every movie that she's ever seen, I think. But it is an incredibly powerful thing. And at the very end of the movie, the, some of the greatest lines ever written in English literature by James Joyce are recited by Donald McCann. And the camera, it it, it sh- goes out over island, and then it pans up, and you just see snow falling on the lens. It's incredible. All right, and well let's let's,
6: let's hear it. This is from the dead. And me,
8: transient as they, flickering out as well into their gray world, like everything around me, this solid world itself, which they reared and lived in, is dwindling and dissolving. Snow is falling, falling in that lonely churchyard where Michael Fury lies buried, falling faintly through the universe and faintly falling like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead.
6: That's uh, is that the final scene the in
3: final, the dead? The end of the movie. The TBTL players. This was probably my favorite appearance by the TBTL players, and that's because they broke.
2: Yes. Um, yes, I forgot about the intro for this. That intro Jen is with phenomenal Horatio
3: Sands, Jimmy Fallon on it.
2: Oh my god. Yes. It was is so good. It's just that 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 segment is just that is forty-four minutes of charming.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean, who usually struggles with his roles uh, as a TBTL player, <laughs> mm-hmm. sort of nails Hans Gruber. I got to really give does. it to the guy.
4: Yeah, he does a good job.
3: <laughs> he knew that he knew the man's ethnicity. He knew his age. Yeah. You know, these are things yes. that Sean usually didn't research
2: for the no. TBTL yeah. players. There's a certain Although amount of. Every... Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
4: Oh, every character after this was also Hans Gruber <laughs> oh,
3: <right. laughs> yeah when you have success with a character, keep
2: bringing it back right
4: you just keep it going.
2: <laughs> Why not? They kept the mold is what they did on that one um right. yeah i do you guys think that I mean I hear this, and I still have a, a you know it's so funny. I literally work on this show now. And the show is mm. by some standards you would say more successful than ever. Um it's our full time job. It's certainly the most successful mm-hmm. it's been as a as a podcast. Um yet I still listen to this and I'm still I'm still weirdly jealous. I'm still weirdly jealous of of this show and of, mm-hmm. of Jen and 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 just the magic that these three people created. And I listen to it and there's a sense of, I mean, I know it's it's obvious to say this because it's literally the TBTL players, but the sense of theatrics going on, and if it's not them literally doing theater, there is always a sense of uh, of movement, a sense of this is an event that's happening. It's not just people talking about ideas. And if anything, if I have any goals for TBTL, it's to somehow kind of channel channel more of that.
3: One thing I enjoyed most about this. Clip was it brought together three people with extremely different thoughts on a subject. Yeah. And they were all very affable about it and they all respected each other's opinions. Jen got a little mad at Luke uh once during it because, you know, she was starting to get emotional and he was sort of making fun of uh, it was mm-hmm. either Home Alone or, or you know, another mm-hmm. – Another yep. thing she was weeping about, and she and he had to back off really quickly because it was clear that she, there was a lot of emotion in there that he wasn't expecting. So there was a lot of real stuff going on there that that I enjoyed, and it makes you listen more closely. I think there are a lot of podcasts we listen to, especially ones that have interviews with celebrities and stuff like that that you can just half listen to. You can't do that here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree. It's it's a good combination of kind of that. I mean, in a certain way, you could still I. I Actually, I take that back. I don't know if I, I if I do completely agree. I think that you can listen really, really closely to this and appreciate it. But I think one of the things about TBTL, hopefully old and new, is that it's always companionship as well. Even if you're mm-hmm. not play, paying really close attention, you get a feeling of like, well, these are just the people I hang out with. And sometimes even if I <laughs> right. zone out a little bit, like these are, right. my, these are my friends. These are my buddies.
3: But I think we all have podcasts or shows that we put on and we don't pay much attention to um tbtl is not that for
2: me hmm. it is well it can't be at this I, point because you have a podcast know. about <laughs> it
3: right that's what that's why christy and i are the perfect ones to do this because we actually really listen to the show um <laughs> despite my grading my grading host persona i, yeah, I am actually a pretty good person to to have on the show so christy once i'm gone please have me back
2: i want to talk <laughs> about some of my favorite
3: things
0: when you're hosting <laughs> with
2: phyllis well have now that you guys have been doing this podcast do you almost get less enjoyment from tbtl because i know i would it would start to feel like work
4: um not less enjoyment about the show but i'm def. i could i used to be able to listen to a show a couple times and and fade in and out and i
8: mm-hmm.
4: would it would like be like hanging out with friends and now i'm taking notes i have a mm. notebook that i carry around with me um i'm If we're in the car, when I'm listening, I'm writing notes the entire time. Um, So I wouldn't say it's less enjoyment. It's just different. And now uh, Mike and Jeremy scammed it. So we record twice a week, which ends up to be four hours of of my life. Yeah. Plus the five hours, five to ten hours of TBTL. So it's a lot. It's a full-time job now. It was
3: your idea, though, Kristen.
2: It was your idea.
4: I know. This was my idea. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so I won't hear it. I love it. Well, you guys should really think, you know. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad you you you, Mike. It doesn't feel like it drained you.
3: No, I I love it. It's something I was gonna listen to anyway, mm-hmm. and and Emily and I talk about it. But we're not always at the same point. Like sometimes she falls a few days or a week behind. And with Christy, I have someone who's always up on it. And the way I look at this show yeah. is this is this is not for all the TBTL fans. This is for people that. Um, I mean, the Saturday show, obviously anyone can listen to and get enjoyment out of it. But the Monday show is a reward for people that are up on the show. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's something that, uh, it's a communal experience. Like you want to stay up on the show. I want to stay up on the show to make LRB better and people want to stay up on the show to make their listening to it better. So, you know, while we have a much smaller audience, our audience is really committed and I'm committed to them and I'm committed to the show.
2: What does Emily think of this podcast?
3: Uh she loves it. She does she ever give you notes?
2: What's that? Does she ever give you notes?
3: Uh yeah, in fact, during the week I get a lot of oh you need to talk about this, you need to talk mm-hmm. about that. You need and a lot of times she wants to record something, you know for for me to play on the show but she always runs out of steam you know and goes to bed (laughs) before that actually happens but someday someday maybe but yeah she's a passionate fan of the show and she's usually almost as up on it as i am so she really enjoys it
2: it's so weird that i was at your guys's wedding just skulking about in the balcony
3: (laughs) you both were
2: you were there too
4: christy i was wow it was a tbtl event of course
2: i was there right Mm -hmm. yeah but you didn't know Mike at the time, though?
4: I
3: didn't.
2: Wow. No. Here we all are.
3: And because I didn't cheat her out of a T-shirt, she still likes me. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Honestly, I can tell we're wrapping up here, so I wanted to say thanks for doing the show. I, I Honestly, I would not want you guys to... I wouldn't want this to get in the way of your enjoyment for it. I'm the type of guy who... If you were to say, hey, do you want to go watch this documentary? I'd be like, yay. But if it's like, hey, we got to interview this person, watch the documentary, I'd be like, oh, I got to do work. So (laughs) I would never want like, you know, you to kind of not enjoy, especially you two and like hardcore listeners since long before when I was still just a just a a twinkle in Tom Tangney's eye. You guys have been listening for a really long time. and, um, And it would break my heart if you if this got in the way of your enjoyment of the show.
3: Well, I'm still passionate about it. In fact, I have a, I have a live read I want to do for the TBTL-a-thon. I was inspired. Phyllis Fletcher made a plea on TBTL yesterday, uh, which was Monday at this point. And I was a little jealous. She was really good. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to write something. I'm going to just do a live read and see if I can, I can bring it. So, uh, <clears throat> if you guys mm-hmm. will indulge me. Oh, uh, Jeremy! I'm sure we'll right put now. Some, some good music behind it. Jeremy, and, uh, I can send
2: uh, Jeremy some uh, um, some uh, phone sound Yackety-sax effects. Sax,
4: okay, like that. I
3: like it. <laughs> All right, here we go. If you're listening to the LRB, a podcast about a podcast, and you're this far into the show, you're addicted. It's probably too late to pull the nose up on your own personal entertainment life, but misery loves company. So what you need to do is concentrate now on getting more folks under this imaginary radio tent. Your contribution to TVTL and Infinite Guest is a big step in tricking new people into throwing their lives down this podcast hole. It's your generosity that makes it possible for Luke to buy one more wooden boat, for Andrew to wax on one more time about an awkward encounter with his landlord and for all of us to drag our muddy boots through the metaphorical backyard that is the stents page. Do you want to go to bed tonight not knowing where your next boring hot dog story is coming from? What will you tell your kids when they ask you why there's no one on the car speakers telling poop stories or laying down shoelace tying instructions? This is why you must act now. Go to tbtl.net and give generously. Christy and I already did. And boy howdy, the swag that's coming at you this year is almost as big as Andrew's face. A sweet coffee mug, some on-air mentions, and Christy already has a flip book of poses for the Luke and Andrew plush toys that is not safe for work. She'll send that to you. Your 11, already thinks you're a weirdo. Why not take their bafflement to the next level? Maybe even jeopardize your relationship by forking over some hard-earned dollarinis. Maybe the show can find you a wife like it did for me with Emily. Maybe you, as Christy did, can meet a nice fella like Jeremy, Spend Saturdays coaching T ball with the possibilities are endless, people, but they all start with you going to tbtl.net and making a donation. Thank you in advance for your support. Take that, Phyllis the Wolf Fletcher. You've been clip clopped.
2: That's pretty good. It was, it was weird I'll that the, uh, the line, the, um, the, li- the, uh, the connection that we're on kind of, it almost sounded like you said boring hot dog story. Because there no. was like a little like hiccup in the line, so it sounded like you said boring. Uh, before no, it, it's no, weird it, instead of fascinating.
3: Something about Google Hangouts uh, it translates riveting to boring. Yeah, yeah that's and weird. I can't he, do anything about it. Well,
4: mostly Mike gets jealous when you talk about food. He he usually is like, God damn it! Now I need a donut. Or oh, yeah, <laughs>
3: well yeah.
2: That, to that was about the hot the dog stories is I
3: always need a hot yeah. dog afterwards, even if it's a boring story. I'm right. still. Oh my god! You yeah. probably
2: needed four right. fucking hot dogs after that one that thing went on forever there's no listen there's no <laughs> there's no covering that up but i'm my with you my favorite
3: hot dog story that you told andrew though was when it wasn't really a story but but luke was talking about the hot dogs that they sell outside the stadium and asked if you would buy one of those and you said of course you would but it wouldn't interfere with your buying and eating of the hot dog
2: inside the stadium oh god no no no,
4: no on, it's outside
7: hot dogs no no
2: baseball games you're not don't count your hot dogs at a baseball game no. <laughs> sage <laughs> advice God, I really do uh, love hot dogs. (laughs) Uh, Let Mm
3: -hmm. me tell people how to get involved. Um, You should go to thelittleredbandwagon.com and fill out the form. Andrew kept filling it out and submitting it over and over and over again, and we finally couldn't ignore him anymore, and we had to get him on here. Um, Facebook, go to the Sten's page or ours, the the Little Red Bandwagon page. Personal Twitter is at Drew McFrizz, at Kissy Eyes, K-I-S-S-I-E-Y-E-S. The show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. That's if you don't want to get on the show but you just want to sharpshoot us or call us names or whatever you need to do. Voicemail, mm-hmm. 802-432-TBTL, 802-432-8285. Andrew, the card is true. I love Aww. you and and I'm always kidding I I love you to death and thank you for doing this and I want to have you back, so I hope we didn't piss you off too bad.
2: No, not no, not at all. Thank you guys so much for uh, – for, for I mean, honestly, thank you so much for doing this show, for creating this show, and spending so much of your damn life doing it. Um, and, and Mike, thanks for all the, the kind words. That was a fantastic little uh, fundraiser um, pitch. Way better than – I mean, obviously way better than anything that I've said all week so far, and probably better than anything I will say. So, so thanks for that. Thanks for all of your support, like, just down the line on everything, both you guys. You're very welcome. And Jeremy, too. And maybe one of these days you guys can have a fun drive and then you can afford a microphone for him.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We'll use he that. He has a lot of that microphones. That
3: they, say, they say Play School on them. We just set it in front of him <laughs> right. and he just talks and talks.
4: <laughs> He's like, What? Well, that's weird. Mine's wireless. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a we got magic you special
3: phone. Microphone. It works from the other room.
4: Yeah. Andrew, can you give a special message to our listener, Aiden, who's like a huge Andrew fan?
2: Oh, is it Will, Will's son? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, Aiden? Aiden's listening to this? Yes. Aiden, first of all, I'm sorry about the swears. I didn't know you were listening, <laughs> dude. <laughs> also, thank you so much for listening. And um, yeah, man, I miss you. Used to uh, we would uh, you would write in sometimes to the old uh, Cairo show that I worked on. It, it was great. So I, I hope you're doing well. And uh, let's stay in touch. Tell your dad I said hello.
3: And so, and sorry, your dad's awesome. such a jerk. Aiden yeah. God, oh. that guy.
4: What an go. ass. Um, he yeah, uh, Aiden's coming to the baseball game and very excited. To really? Meet cool.
2: Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic yeah. news. Yeah, I'm a big Aiden fan.
4: Yeah, us too. We actually have because he gets to listen to the show, and we have a hashtag Sorry Aiden that we just say whenever we swear or. There are yeah, there are a
3: lot of things that need to be put in post to control me, and you know.
2: <laughs> so yeah, what are we gonna do about all the uh, all all the f words? Now I'm gonna start calling them f words. What are we gonna say <laughs> and do about all the f words that I that I yeah, polluted I the know. young person's mind with? What he fucked. said
4: is my parents say worse yeah
2: mm-hmm. probably true
4: <laughs> yeah sometimes we'll will have aiden text me really so i yeah i once um said how much i i hate when people post selfies and so aiden asked if he could send me a selfie
2: <laughs> <laughs> and did he
4: yeah he did
3: i like this kid he did. me too
4: yeah <laughs> all right should i do the advertisement for the mariners yeah sure Mike, okay. Last um, chance. Mike is com- Mike is confirmed and will be at TVTL night at the Mariners Thursday, May twenty eighth at seven ten. Yeah, is that great? Yeah, you're gonna be Get there. Get your tickets.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be there. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's clean hot dogs.
2: <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so I interrupted you like twice, Christy. Oh,
4: that's fine. <laughs> Uh, get your tickets by entering TBTL as the promo code. Details are on the Sends page, and also there's a link on tbtl.net. And don't forget to donate.
3: All right. that's. that's- I don't have anything else, Christy, so if you don't, um, mm-hmm. certainly you can take us out.
4: Okay. And until next time, this is the next party.
3: And I love you, Jen, but not at the expense of Andrew.
2: And good luck to all. Nailed it. Nailed
6: it. Nailed it. Nailed it. it.